start like it's the like not the first episode. All right, then I'll do that. Um, hello, everyone, all three of you, and welcome to Super Movio Brothers episode one. This is a podcast where we go through all we say all of the video game adaptations and all other ca- kinds of movies to do with video games. See how they hold up. See what went behind the making of them, and see just how bad they really are, or indeed good in the case of a select few. We're a couple of people that like these movies, and we're not like most. We, It's episode one. You don't care who we are. You just want to get into the movies. We respect that, so I'm just going to say, I'm Rob. I'm in my 30s. My favourite games are probably ooh, Resident Evil, XCOM, and ooh, Doom. Something like that. Some Final Fantasy. Sounds good. Sounds good, and uh, because it is. And my favourite movies are probably all Terminator 2. Uh, let's just go with Terminator 2. And this is... All right, yeah, I'm uh, I'm Scott, and I'm in my 30s. I like Final Fantasy games, just most RPGs. And movies, uh, well, that changes all the time, really. Um, I use, like, comedies, some other films, uh, the Street Fighter film. It's one of my favourite movies. You don't say. Yeah, really. I'm not really that interesting. <laughs> I don't want to have to spoil anything, but uh, when you say that Street Fighter is one of your favourite movies, I am going to bloody enjoy when we get to that. Yeah. I don't know what episode it's going to be. If I had my way, it would be episode one. I suppose technically I could have had my way, but um, I'm trying to pace it well. We can't have us gushing over the best movie of all time. One of the best movies of all time. Um, there's quite a few out there. There is. I have to excuse me for doing that. I was just uh, trying to make sure my PC didn't catch on fire. Right. So this is the part where we talk about the movie as we know it, before we watch it. We'll have a bit of a talk about what went into the making of it, what we remember from it, if we've seen it or not. And then we'll have a little interlude where we go off and watch it. And then we'll come back and talk you through it and have a bit of a laugh, hopefully, you know. This is the part where I don't know what's being watched until you tell me, so this nope. is going to be a surprise even for me. That's true. Scott is absolutely kayfabe. He does not know a single thing about what we're about to watch, so his reaction, which will probably involve a swear, will be genuine when I tell him we are watching the 2002 Miljokovic vehicle Resident Evil. Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah, I the, thought so. To be fair, it's, it's probably the best one. Like, I mean, the Resident Evil films aren't that good anyway. Like, no. but, but but the first one, it's all right for what it is. I mean, it did influence some stuff in Resident Evil 4, from what I believe, so... <laughs> one scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one scene with the, with the laser beams, but... Um, well, well, it's all right. put the laser beams up his jaffers. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't see... I've probably watched it about a couple of times years ago, so I can't really remember a lot of it, but I think in retrospect, it's not as bad as the load of unnecessary sequels it's got, so... And hopefully the new one, which is coming out this year... Which is directed by Paul Anderson, I believe, in it. Um, she's not in it, so that's a massive plus point for me because I'm not really a big Djokovic fan besides Fifth Element. So, two things: one, is he directing it? I think so. He's di- the bloke who directed the old ones is directing the new one. I am pretty sure of it's him still. Yeah, I know it's the same studio. It's um, I've totally forgotten its name, but I have got it written here: Constantine Films. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he is doing it again. Yeah. But I don't know. Really, mm. so you know, if there's any, if there's going to be any comment sections, then they can just tell me, can't they? Really? So, well, here's the thing. Here's the strange thing, which I don't. You can't really argue with the numbers 
as Scott Steiner once said, you see, the numbers don't lie. <laughs> and uh, the first movie, this first movie, 2002, cost $33 million to make. Jesus. And it made $100 million back. It doesn't matter if you're spending three quid and getting a tenner back. That's a big profit. I suppose it's because with it being the first ever Resident Evil film, um, obviously Resident Evil fans will just flock to go see it, not really knowing much about it. Well, I can tell you that... Uh, I'm sorry for interrupting, but um, I can tell you that the last one had a budget of roughly... I'm just going off the coffee, roughly about $64 million, something like that, and made something like $264 million back. Jesus. Yeah, so... Um, I think like the only other thing I think I remember from Resident Evil is I don't even know which film it is, but it's one which had the Nemesis on, and I'm pretty sure the Nemesis like went all like, good guy. From what I remember, I never, I haven't really seen that film. Just like that one scene where we sort of blast down a, a helicopter, but I think it's like the bad guy's helicopter, and he sort of like totally face turns on Alice or whatever. I um for 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 you that is for you people that aren't into wrestling, face turn means become a good guy. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> we do watch a fair bit of wrestling. We'll have, we'll, we won't bring it in, but we might have to. Uh, just translate a little bit. Just use some of the terminology, basically. It's That's just it. how we communicate anyway outside the podcast. So Yeah, we're not kayfabing you, see? Um, yeah, that was the second one. That was Resident Evil... And I always get the titles mixed up, but it was the second one. Resident Evil... Is it Retribution? No, it's um, it's either Afterlife or Apocalypse, and I think it's Afterlife. Yeah, I think... Uh, no, Apocalypse the second one. Oh, it'll be Apocalypse then. I think Afterlife is supposed to be the last one. It was like Extinction. I, see, I the last one is the final chapter. The one before that is Extinction. See, I don't know because there's that bloody many. Yeah, seven, I believe. Jesus. And then there's another one coming up. But I don't know. I mean, that one could be all right. Well, that one's a totally separate one. We're off. We're off into that. Yeah. Cautiously optimistic. Right now, a bit more uh, info. As I said, I need to stop turning away from the mic. It's episode one. Teething problems. I'm used to having a headset on. Yeah. Right. As mentioned, it was on a 33 million pound budget in uh, 2002. It's got Mila Jokovic in it, and is directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Now, here's a bit of uh, trivia for you, which I didn't know until recently. The two of them uh, both uh, fell in love during the making of this movie. I'm sure it has not no uh, bearing on the fact that she's in like every single other movie and the new Monster Hunter. Uh, but uh, that's... <laughs> It does scream a little bit of... I don't know what you call it. Not nepotism, but... Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Good actress. Very good actress. If you've seen her in Joan of Arc, she's very good. I just... I don't know. I just can't take to her besides, like, um, Fifth Element. I mean, I really liked her in Fifth Element. But I know what you're going to say, though. It's like, obviously, I knew they were married. And to me, it just sort of seems like Tim Burton syndrome when he just, like, employed Eleanor Bonham Carter for, like, all his films because no one else would and they were married. That's, yeah. that's the way I see it now. And they always employed their son, Johnny Depp. Yeah, but <laughs> it does seem a bit like that sometimes, doesn't it? Um, however, Johnny Depp is playing Gomez, and I was a bit, oh, isn't that a bit too on the no, nose? But no, I've, I've seen the perfect. picture. That is perfect. Yeah, that. he doesn't half look like Gomez Adams. I mean, he's got a uh, he's he's got big shoes to fill with uh, Raul Julia, but um, oh, definitely. And I forget his name, but when we used to watch the TV show, the original Black and White. I've totally forgotten his name. I don't know. I but, um, but I found out recently, Gomez Adams in the black and white TV show, uh, Sean Astin's dad. Really? Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. You learn something every day. Right, in addition to Mila Jokovic, it also stars Michelle Rodriguez, who was in such things as uh, Fast and the Furious and Avatar. Uh, I enjoyed Avatar, and I enjoyed her in Avatar. Everyone goes on about Avatar not being very good, but I like it. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. 
I'd get into it, but I've only ever seen it once, and it, it was it was all right. But I think it was massively overhyped for what it was. I think it was. Uh, I know we said we won't get into it, but uh, I think if it, <laughs> I think if it didn't have the three D, it would people would have quite liked it. It, it was just a three D fan gully with guns. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that, that sounds like everything I need. Yeah, and uh, in addition to that, Eric Mabius is an. I think he plays James Marcus. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, I only know him from one thing, and that is yes. the Crow Salvation. Yeah, that's the one. That's why I was. Gonna, I think he's also in that ugly Betty, but I didn't watch that. I didn't know he's in it. But um, yeah, the Crow. You know, I really like the third Crow film. It was. I, I like all of them, but the fourth one just seemed a bit rushed. Wicked Prayer. Yeah. Yeah, I remember enjoying it for what it was up to a certain point until Angelus shows up from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. It is just David Boreanaz playing Angelus. David Boreanaz. Uh, it's, uh, he's supposed to be like an anti-crow and it doesn't work. And it, but um, the third one is it's very strict to DVD, but it's very good. For, I mean, it's not as good as the first one. It's not going to be. It's sort of weird, though, because I think like the, fir- the fourth crow film, I think it tries to dabble in religion yeah, too it, much. It's like all Satanism and, and all that shit. And yeah, it just... It's all right for what it is, but it's one of those films where it's like, I won't watch it as much as like the other three. I'll just watch it if I'm in the mood. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you don't have to be in the mood. Yeah. The music is done by, now here's a team you don't hear of very often because they've only ever done it once. Uh, the music is scored by Marco Beltrami, who also scored The Crow 3 and Terminator 3. Very good score for Terminator 3, but very overbearing, but that's just how he was directed. Yeah. There was no Guns N' Roses in that. And uh, he's also doing the new Twilight Zone. And he did Scream. So, you know, there should be some good stuff here. But it's him teaming up with Marilyn Manson. Oh, my God. Yeah. For, oh, for Brian. The actual, Brian Warner. Brian. The Lost Warner brother. Yep, he's doing the score. And he reckons it's all more electronic than he normally does. So uh, we'll I'm be taking note of that. Well, it's got um, My Plague by Slipknot. No, that's on this film. Because it, it, um, I think it's like one of the main themes on it because their music video is like clips of this film so never heard of it my plague by slipknot i've never heard of that one. Oh well you will though when we watch the film you say my plague i hear left behind but uh yeah well. yeah and that's that that's going to be interesting i think uh i imagine even without that there's going to be a lot of new metal in this i've listened to a lot of horror movie podcasts recently and when they watch anything from about 2002 onward to about 2006, new metal, all of it, all the time, new metal. Well, that's when it kicked off, wasn't it? That's when it got like really popular. Yeah, and um, you did say Slipknot. Yeah. So um, will there be any Papa Roach or P.O.D.? Probably. I mean, P.O.D. have a song called Alive, so if you want to be ironic. Yeah, true. As mentioned, this was made by Constantin Films, and here's the thing. They brought in George Romero to write a script, and he actually sat down with, I think it was his secretary. She played the game. People people heard this and thought, oh, we can't even be bothered to play the game. No, like she was sat next to him playing the game, and he was watching and taking notes. Yeah. And he wrote a script based on watching her play the game, but it was still very different. It was something about um, Chris lived in a cabin or something, and then... It, it was it was very similar, but very different at the same time, but was a bit more... Like, Wesker was in it, and I know Wesker, Albert Wesker is not in this game. Game, movie. Movie. Good start. But when that didn't work, they got in this bloke called um, uh, Alan McElroy. Now, he wrote a very violent script that was sort of similar, but not. This was... It was 
basically, there is a movie that's just like this, but I can't think what it is. So that's making for good content, isn't it? Well, go on then. Explain it. I might be able to help you out. Yeah, good call. Basically, they didn't mention Stars or Umbrella, but Stars and Umbrella were in it. It was still Jill, Chris, Barry, Wesker, but they just didn't use the names of the companies. And they were lured to the mansion by Umbrella deliberately and then put into like a gauntlet where they had to fight a kind of each of the baddies. That sounds interesting. It's sort of what they do in the game, but less wild and more more like something out of like Cube 2 or something. Yeah, more organised yeah. sort of thing, yeah. And that didn't work. But then it, what happened is, in 1995, after Paul Anderson wrote Mortal Kombat, a game movie that we will be doing very soon, he basically figured, oh, game movies, we can do this. He played Resident Evil and then wrote what he described as a rip-off. And then he went to Constantine and basically went, I've got this script here for Resident Evil. And they went, cool, let's do it. And this is what we ended up with. So uh, he openly admits he's ripping off the game and then he adjusted it to make it official. <laughs> so it should be really close, you'd imagine. <laughs> oh, really? Do you reckon he watched, like, System... Uh, watched? Do you reckon he played System Shock 2 as well before? <laughs> I can only hope so. Because otherwise, from what I remember of this movie... Let's just leave that as said. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't want to tie it in, like, directly, because he thought Resident Evil deserved a much better, less cheap, better-performing celluloid representation. So we'll see that. Okay. Right. Next question. Go on. You said you've seen this before. What do you remember without giving too much away for people that haven't? Um... It's got a mansion in it at the start, which for some reason has got a train station which goes underground. And obviously the laser beams bit, which was on Resident Evil 4, which they then ripped off, obviously, that film. That's all I remember, really. And obviously the Slipknot song when she's kicking a dog in the face. That's all I remember. But, you know, I did say it's probably the better Resident Evil film out of all of them, but... It's not saying much. <laughs> Not really. Or is it? Maybe we were too harsh on it. Let's just find Maybe. Out. Bearing in mind, I, I, I have a feeling that this might be a bit unfair because even though you don't remember much, you have seen it. Yeah. I was going to ask you what you think might happen compared to the games. Um, yeah, that's a good one. What, what might what I think might happen? Well, like I said, I can't remember all of it. So I'm just going to assume that they just get out of the really. And then obviously the sequel comes. I know, actually, I know one of the main monsters is like the final boss, basically, of the film. But I don't really want to say in case people haven't seen it. But it's obviously uh, Neptune, just a shark flopping around. Yeah. <laughs> right. And now every episode, we are going to have a hypothetical quiz because that's a thing. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and uh, this week. I say week, as if we're going to do this weekly. Well, I mean, we might. We might. Might. We can get our ducks in a row. Yeah. So definitely not. <laughs> right. This week's question is, Paul Anderson inserted a character into this movie that wasn't in the games, which is a computer called the Red Queen. He named it the Red Queen in homage to Alice in Wonderland for some reason. Now, and I've not thought about this either, so it's almost as fresh on me. What fairy tale or kids' book character would you add into a video game story, and why? Um, you asked me, like, who we used, or just, like, in general, from, like... 
Well, I could give you mine as an example if you want, but I am going to need some uh, some thinking time. So if we can get the countdown clock going in the background, we can have that in post. It'll be brilliant. Great. Who would I add? Alice in Wonderland. Not necessarily Alice in Wonderland. Just like just any sort of like similar. Well, you, well, you could put because Peter Pan is the boy who never grows up. You could put him in Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. You know, and have him flying around boshing vampires. Um, I don't know whether that's an odd question. Probably like the Marato or something. Cool. Now, obviously, this is a video game adaptation. Stop laughing. This is the third time I've tried to record this line. <laughs> I, keep say, I keep saying video game adaptation. <laughs> video game. Video game adaptation. I keep I keep just turning into drunk Schwarzenegger. <laughs> in this video game adaptation. I mean, come on, what are you doing? You're doing your games. You come on, you can do podcasts on your games. In this adaptation of a video game to the silver screen, what happens? This is a alleged adaptation of the first two Resident Evil games. Here is what happens. Basically, I say basically a lot. There's a special forces team called STARS, the Special Tactics and Rescue Service. It used to be the Special Tactics and Rescue Squad, but people deny that. They go to a mansion in the mountains outside a city in the Midwestern US, somewhere near Colorado, they reckon, called Raccoon City. When they get to this mansion, there's zombies and dogs and zombie dogs and zombie plants and zombie sharks. Zombie bees. And when the dogs bite, the sheep bees at you. That's, that's, I think that's technically true in one of the, the rooms. Which episode of The Simpsons is that? Because it's bound to be The Simpsons. It is The Simpsons. Yeah, I thought it might be. Uh, I think it's back the hair when uh, Homer goes to get Bart back from Mr. Burns. But anyway, this isn't anything to Resident Evil, so carry on. Simpsons guest. We're doing that next. Yeah. Right. So you've got this special team who are going into this mansion to find out why there's a load of murders. And then they find zombies. And then it turns out that their captain sent them there on purpose because he's a baddie, because the zombies are genetically manufactured by a pharmaceutical company to make war machines. And I need to write this down. No, you're doing all right. You sure? Yeah. All right. Tell you what, I can abridge it a bit more. Special forces going to mansion. Oh, no, zombies. Turns out the zombies were manufactured by a pharmaceutical company. That's okay, that's blast our way out. Oh no, the bloke in charge of the soldiers is actually a double agent for the pharmaceutical company, tries to get them all killed. He fails and dies, but he doesn't die. Except he does, but he doesn't. But we don't find that out. Cut to Resident Evil 2. The zombies have gotten into the city. And also, there's a giant bloke with an eyeball. Who I mean, Most people have eyeballs, but this one, you'd notice it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> He's going around looking for his daughter so he can like do an alien on her. And there's this bloke called Leon, and he has to get out while blowing up that dude. And also there's a giant intimidating black guy in a trench coat who will not be stopped. I thought that was quite succinct and to the point. Yeah, that was all right. Was it? Yeah, I just think it's funny how Leon gets to Raccoon City as soon as he gets there, he wants to fuck off. Most like where we live, so... Yeah, it is a bit like when you get into Grimsby, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> You wonder why we like post-apocalyptic zombie movies. Right, we're off to watch Resident Evil. We'll be back in a little bit of time, but for you it's only going to be about 20 seconds. Yeah, wish us luck. <laughs> Will we survive? You are dead.
That was macabre. On to the movie. Right, that's uh, Resident Evil done and dusted. Um, Uh, It's a movie. It's certainly a movie. Um, I've just got to say, actually, that... um, Before we get started. Yeah, just before we get started, that I said that Paul Anderson was directing a new one. Um, He isn't. I don't know why I thought that, but it's uh, Johan Roberts. Johan Roberts. That's uh, that's who's directing it. Good last name, I like it. Right, shall we get into it then? Yeah. What do you? What did you think overall? What are your last, lasting impressions, just generally, before we get into it? I don't want to just flat out say shit, but it's not what I remember, really. But I think personally, it would have been better if it wasn't called Resident Evil. That's immediately what I thought. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be. I mean, even if they called it Biohazard, it probably would have been a lot better than what it was. It would have been. Be generic, like uh, what are all the movies that came out around that time when the slasher sort of had a renaissance, like Jason X, for example. And 28 weeks later. No, Freddy versus Jason. Later. Yeah, 28 days later. All that, it fits in fine with all that. Yeah. But it's not Resident Evil. No, because obviously Resident Evil was called Resident Evil because you was in a place of resonance. I mean, I suppose they are in a way in the film, but they're not. The only people resident at that mansion are two humans and no zombies. So, yeah. <laughs> Right, let's uh, let's get into it. Right, first of all, the first thing that tried me patience was the first shot. I'm uh, not I'm not trying to be like an angry nitpicky kind of person, but do we need a 20, 30 second really slow zoom in from black to a to a research lab? Not really. No, but he's doing something with double helix capsules. Now these are apparently the T virus, and they come in two flavors: blueberry and apple. I I quite like the test tubes of what they look like. I like the little helix thing. See, I don't. I don't like the helix. See, I know on the game it's just a test tube full of liquid. Yeah. But then, yeah, I mean, it does sort of... Why is it like that when you're not getting as much liquid in it? But, I mean, I understand why they've done that, and it's a nice stylistic choice, and it stands out, and you can mark it and put some merch out with it. Yeah. But they look delicious. <laughs> you just want to just pop one open. You just crack one open, pour it in some water, and there you go. You've got a nice dilute green apple. Kool-Aid. Yeah, twist and squeeze, you know, something like that. But, yeah, I, I understand why you like it. I'm not keen. I'd, pref- I'd just prefer a weird anonymous test tube or something, you know. Yeah, I mean, blue and green is a bit, you know, maybe we get some sort of sickly colour like purple or something. Yes, yeah, so we see someone in a black leather jacket and a mask walking through a lab, and it turns out that uh, in terms of setting the movie off, uh, they are a tosser. They toss Quite literally. The, yeah, they toss the T-virus into a door where it... I, I don't mind this. There's there's genuine problems in this nitpicking, and this is a bit nitpicky. When he smashes the canister, the it's almost like it's hot, and it rises from the ground into the air vents. I can let that slide. That's just telling you that it's getting in the air vents. Yeah, that's just the intro. Why he didn't just chuck it into an air vent... It's beyond me, but there we go. Um, And uh, he escapes by... uh, Now, this is the biggest crime in the movie. Spilling a bloke's coffee on him. This this is an American workplace. We have to fill out so many forms. (laughs) And he doesn't even say sorry. What a bastard. So he's a tosser, both literally and figuratively. 
But it's all fine because uh, he ends up getting uh, lifted in a bit, and we'll come to that. Yeah. First of all, you're in a research lab. There's people doing research and doing paperwork. There's someone chucking viruses, and you've got some dogs. Okay, I'll work with you. Everything starts going haywire. Lights are going on and off. Cats and dogs living together, that kind of thing. There's a lab where the sprinklers go off, even though there's no fire. It's quite funny watching people yelling up at the camera, there's no fire, in some kind of weird Alan Partridge. There's no fog. Yeah, meets... Fog lights. Alan Partridge meets sort of Noel Edmonds, gotcha. That's a reference. I'll just say, uh, I'm a celebrity, get out my ear, or whatever, from Saturday Night Takeaway. That's more modern. And it's... It just makes me laugh because it's just... A, like This isn't how labs work. But it's got so much water to stop a fire in this one room that it ends up... Totally filling the entire room. About seven feet high. How many thousands of litres is that? <laughs> just creating your own indoor swimming pool. Yeah, and then drowning it. It's just, it's just a bit daft. It's not. It doesn't creep me out because they don't do anything to creep you out. They don't have, for example, someone right at the... Like, you've, you've seen it before when a room fills with water in a movie and they do that thing where they're at the top of the... The head is touching the ceiling. Yeah. And they're like, oh, God, I can't keep my head above the water. That, scary, claustrophobic, I'll grant you. But this is just, oh, no, my feet are wet, Dad. But it's just like, it won't get that high anyway because sure there'll be a water tank somewhere to keep it full and that'll just empty. Yeah, because these things aren't up to the mains as far as I know when you're in an underground lab half a mile underground. It's, it's, a, bit of a, it's a bit of a weird one, this place of work. I don't think I'd want to work there. I'll probably quit after a day. Again, there's nitpicking, but I don't think that's nitpicking. Not really. I mean, I suppose you sort of think on the realism. I mean, everything that's going on there, you think there'd be some sort of kill switch somewhere. Yeah. Really, like emergency stop buttons like on factory machinery. Or lifts, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, there's a bloke who, for one shot, looks quite a lot like former WCW World Heavyweight Champion David Arquette. And then the camera angle changes and it looks nothing like him. <laughs> so I don't know if that was just me having some kind of weird... If he was astral projecting just to me or what. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's all a bit... uh what? bit niche. No one will get that. Oh. The bloke out of Scream. Scream, which was uh, scored by Michael Beltrami, who also scored this. Ah, he says he was. And the fonts. So this, I should point out, this is going off because someone tossed the virus into a room, and that's why it's killing everyone. I know, it makes no sense. Bear with me on this. I don't know, though. I mean, like, I understand. It's, 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 this is a bit of a weird one as well, because obviously it's filling up the room, and it's not letting people out, so obviously it's killing them. So the computer obviously knows that there's some sort of viral infection going around. It do not want it to breach, so it's just going to kill everyone, which is fair enough, to be fair. fair. So it's like... Is, is the computer a good guy? They sort of try to say something like that later on with the uh, final boss, but I don't subscribe to that because containment is a thing. Yeah, this and is if true. it was going to kill everyone, sure. I mean, doesn't it blast people? It blasts Alice with nerve gas. So why can't it nerve gas everyone? Why has it got to invent shit? I've no idea, but I, I can sort of understand why. The thing is, though, it's like you got all this happening, but like, do you reckon the people who signed up, like who got the job interview with Umbrella, the sat down and was like, oh, by the way, if there's a virus breach, we're unfortunately going to have to kill you in some horrible way. And they've gone, yeah, well, all right, then. I've signed the paperwork. Well, I mean, that can be... Uh, by the way, that does make me laugh, the uh, situation. 
the problem is I've just seen Resident Evil and nothing's as funny as that. Because, <laughs> there you go. It doesn't make sense. Either you can kill them or you can contain them. It shouldn't be A-teaming its way around the frigging facility, MacGyver in some way to kill people. And also, if this was about a killer computer, I could let, I could understand, but it's not. Yeah, there are no weird. killer computers in Resident Evil 1. Yeah, it's weird. It's like he's tried to get like different things to be the threat. Here's an idea. If you wanted a way to kill them in cruel and unusual ways, and you wanted an AI to do it, and it was Resident Evil, why doesn't it just do what it does later on, which is release the monsters? Exactly. It's, it's just... I don't know, like... I can sort of understand why, because it's weird. Because I don't, I'm not going to get into like the Silent Hill film, but it's like when you see these games where it's just one player, you're on your own. I, I suppose you got to put in extra characters just to make the meat of the story. So I assume it's just going to be like, yeah, we'll just do it underground in the lab where it kicks off later in the game. But then it's just it. It, it works, but it doesn't at the same time. It's an excuse plot to get the movie started, yeah. but then it sticks with it. Yeah. It, Which like, I don't understand. It's like the intro's all right. It's, like it, it, it's to the point, you know, this guy throws a virus and everyone's getting infected. We all know what's going to be happening. It's like the mystery thing about it, though, as well. It's like, oh, what's going to happen after he throws this virus? Well, we've all played the games. Easy zombies. Who is Black Jacket? Probably the bloke wearing a black jacket, just a thought. Yeah. He shows up in a bit. So let's go with it. The AI has decided to kill people in the manner of you've been framed, America's Funniest Home Videos, that sort of thing. Fail Army, if you will. <laughs> the most memorable of these is... I know which bit. Yes, it's... They all decide, in an emergency, we'll use the lift. Because that's what you do, isn't it? <laughs> These are all smart scientists in that. Like, there's no signs either what says in case of emergency, do not use lift. So, oh, oh, well, there so you go, there's then. like there's like no safe safety boards or anything. Like so, this company's already like breaching health and safety. Yeah, if 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 them signs were there, they'd have known not to do it. Exactly. So they get on a lift and the power cuts because it's a horror movie and you're in a lift. Of course it does. And then they hear and we see the neighbouring lift. Now I couldn't tell. Was it shooting down or was it shooting up? I think it was shooting down, cut the brakes, and it went down. I thought it was just powering up. I, was, I, I, I found it funny. No, I think it broke. I don't know how, but it obviously like broke the lines for it to fall. I don't know how a computer can do that. but I think it controlled the brakes. But the thing he snapped as well, though, so unless like, the force of it just caused it to snap, I don't know. But Sort of double knackered. Yeah. If you don't die, you're going to die. But, uh, yeah, and then the... The, their lift, the brakes go on that one. We see them release, and it plummets down for about, what, seven floors, and then it stops dead. And they go, I've had a great idea. We're going to no leave the doors injured. open. Yeah, no one's injured, by the way, by this. Not not a rolled ankle or anything. But again, I'll work with you. That's not the point. They leave the doors open, and they're sort of... This is one of... Again, it's probably a coincidence, but this is one of those things where in the games after this, they've incorporated it a bit. They leave open the doors, and it's halfway between floors. Which is a bit like in Resident Evil 7, but nothing like this happens in it. Yeah. So, of course, what do you do? You're in a horror movie. You need to survive. What do you do? You send out the one black person in the lift, because they will <laughs> definitely survive, because there aren't any cliches in this movie. And it's a woman <laughs> who isn't the main female character. So you know she's not surviving. 
And she crawl she crawls out of the lift, so it's just like the doors are at a like belly button, and her legs are in the lift, and her upper body's out of the lift. She can't get out, but she also can't get back in the lift somehow. Ooh, what's going to happen? Yeah, and uh, the brakes go again on purpose. This is it has been established that this is controlled. This is not a haphazard thing. And it's like, oh no, she's going to headbutt the floor really violently and possibly have a bit of a headache. But it stops. And she's safe. Whew. She can't move, but she manages to turn like over. So uh, she manages to get partially out the lift. So it's just her head. And she manages to turn over so she's facing up. That must have looked bloody weird in the lift. But, but we'll go with it. Which is fast becoming my catchphrase. Yeah, and then the lift flies up again, and it's a proper like, comedy shot. <laughs> it's it's is sitcom funny. The camera is above the doorway, looking down vertically at her <laughs> as she flies face first towards it. <laughs> it. It it's like she's the Wizard of Oz and she's come to get us or something, or she's Zordon or something. It, any other famous heads, you know? <laughs> like, like in Splatterhouse when the mask zooms in the screen really fast. Yeah, Splatterhouse 2. That's a reference. We, hey, we, it's not just movies. We do like a game since the podcast. So, uh, oh, by the way, you don't see anything. It's like, ah, and then done. Because it's a 15. Because it's a 15. Yes, it's a 15, by the way. I don't know if this is censored. I think you said that something happens later which shows it is censored. Well, I was gonna. I, I don't know if you actually wanted me to wait till later, but it's just when there was playing my play by Slipknot. It's like um, one of the lines is that in the uncensored version he says bullshit, but in the censored version he says abusive. I don't know how they're like similar in words, but because um, he says every in the uncensored version, I think he says everyday bullshit, and I don't know how that's the same as everyday abusive. Weird. It's Corey Taylor in it, but. Well, everyday bullshit is more grammatically correct. Everyday bullshit is when you sat down and listened to Slipknot, really. <laughs> Carry on. Jokes. That's the Slipknot fans alienated. Let's see how, what we can do by the end of this. Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> the AI, yeah, appear to have a sense of humour, because what it basically does there with the, oh, I'm going to kill you, oh, no, I'm not, oh, yes, I am, it's basically, you know, in, I keep saying basically a lot, you know Batman Returns? Yes. When Christopher Walken's character, Max Shrek, he finds Selina Kyle looking through all of his gear. And he sort of backs her up to a window, like he's going to push her out the window. She's like, oh, God, he's going to push me out the window. Yeah. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. And then he shoves her out the window. That's basically what it does. But this does it, like, on a less good scale. Which is weird, because it's a lift decapitation. How is that less good? Because you can you can still see it happening, even though when she goes down, and the red almost hits the floor, and then the lift stops to go, ah, not really. You know exactly it's going to happen anyway. But it's more so, absurd. It's just, it's so, um, what's the word? Predictable? That's the Formulaic. Word. So predictable. If someone's hanging out of a lift, they're getting killed. Exactly. Although, just as an aside, I do quite like that one in Halloween H2O, where someone's reaching into the, you know, the American sink has the grinders in it. Oh, yeah. The waste disposal. Yeah, I remember that scene. Yeah, where someone's reaching in for something, and you think, oh, they're going to get the, head, uh, the hand ground, hand ground, they're going to pull back a bloody stump. And it's all successful. They turn around and they just get stabbed. I do like that. That's like a proper good swerve. <laughs> I do like that because, again, it was funny. People get gassed. So that's lift, flood, gas. 
it's using all the elements. That's, um, I suppose, gravity. She gets hit in the head with what is basically a building. So that's earth, your air now, and water. All we need is fire, and we can call the avatar. Well, I always remember that the camera's at least shot at some, but I was obviously thinking of a different film. Yeah, there are no camera guns in this movie that I noticed. I swear there was at one point, but like I say, probably a different film. Oh, I was going to put this out later on, but actually while we're on the subject, a lot of the cameras are just those gig lights, you know, the ones that like shoot lasers at music shows. Yeah. They're like big black things that rotate and swerve and, yeah. So that was cheap, I guess. And the budget they got was quite high for it as well. 30 million. Yeah, it wasn't that much. I mean, what was it? Ten years later, Dread was released, and that was a low-budget movie, and that had fifty million. Really? Yeah. So, what does the what do the uh, Marvel movies have? Something like well over hundred, well over hundred. Oh yeah, they're well expensive to make as well. Yeah. So we've learned that the AI has a sense of humor and is a fan of Avatar: The Last Airbender. One thing I will notice about this that I will say is that the music is actually really good for this section. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, I think the I think the music placement on this film was actually not too bad. Like it, it has its moments. It also has its other moments, which we'll get to. Like during the action bits, it really reminded me of like when he did Mortal Kombat with their sort of techno electronic sort of beat in the background when there's action going on. So it wasn't too bad. Which is weird because I've started here with it's good. It starts bleepy and electronic, but it fits the visuals. Yeah. But later on, it's just pointless techno. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really. It's it's like the sort of Stop being bothered. <laughs> Which, uh, that's not how movies work. I know they didn't, but... <laughs> Unless they did. But while stuff, been, while stuff was going haywire, there were a lot of long, droning string notes, and they did remind me of early Resident Evil, the first one. I was quite impressed with that. Yeah, there was a bit... Um, there was a bit later, just after the intro, when we meet... Uh, where she's looking around the mansion. That was really Resident Evil music. Yeah. I did like that. Alice, by the way, is air. 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 <laughs> well, from up north. Speaking of, Alice, who I, I don't remember. They must have said her name several times, but I don't remember her name. I don't think so. I can't remember, to be fair. No, because like on the, I know on the wiki, um, everyone's got last names but air. So I, I assume it was just a placeholder name for the film. Because it's weird, because the setter up, like, visually, is Ada. I'm really sure Paul wanted Ada Wong in the film. Mm. But, because obviously, it it starts with A as well. A, Alice, and Ada. So, I don't know if he was trying to get the Ada Wong, Wong angle or not. Because she had the red dress and the boots, like Ada Wong. I will also point out that A also stands for Adolf. But, uh, well, yeah. it's very easy to put in a, uh, very easy, very early to put in a Hitler joke. But uh, low-hanging fruit, I'll take it. Yeah, why not? I'm just looking through this because you say... See, here's the thing. I'm having to look up the names of these characters because they were so... There was only about seven in the main group and they get get narrowed down to about five very... No, no, there were about eight. They get knocked down to about five very quickly and I still couldn't tell half of them apart. And some of the dialogue is really quiet, and the music goes over it, and I they don't seem to call each other by name very much. No, I, th- I think there was too many characters as well. I think I think that's obviously why they narrowed it down in that one scene, because I think there was just way too much. People who say that you need a, a group of people in a movie, you know, because what are you going to talk about if it's just one person? I th- 
Evil Dead 2 shows you can do it. Oh, definitely, yeah. So, imagine that, just Evil Dead 2, but proper serious, wandering around a mansion. But it's weird, because I've only just realised as well, though, with it being a Resident Evil film, there's like literally no Resident Evil characters in it. Obviously, they start coming in like the second one, so I don't know whether... It's weird how this film's actually how this film works because I don't know if he thinks he wasn't going to get a sequel. That's why he, he ate a wonged up Alice, or maybe the company wanted to do a second one and just make it closer to the thing and add the characters. I don't know, but it's just weird because you would have thought you would have had like Jill in there, but I don't know if he was trying to cast Alice as a sort of Jill as well. But it's just weird how that character works as well because the character. Is a bit um, sort of reminded me of Lilo Dallas, but not as like not as good and a bit more talky. Yeah, you mentioned that, and I actually said something about that, which was she is reminiscent of that character, very wide-eyed, innocent. But I mean, like I said before, she's a very good actress, but it depends on what you give her, and I'm not sure if she's wide-eyed and sort of taking everything in and innocent despite all this, or if she just looks blank. See, I thought it was dopiness. Well, there you go. Because it's weird, because it's like she's lost her memory. You haven't lost your intelligence. There's a difference. Yeah, I can't argue with that, actually. Like, if I lost if I, if I lost my memory tomorrow, I've obviously forgotten a lot of stuff about myself, but, I mean, I suppose then I might be a little bit dopey, but I'll, surely you wouldn't act it. <laughs> And I've just got back on myself there. There's, but, there's a lot of staring into space that she does in this movie. Yeah, a lot of it. And there aren't that many flashbacks. There's about, what, four or five. But the flashbacks are even only the same. Yeah, two or three of them are the same. Oh, just... And like, then the other two are the same as them, each other. But I just don't like the amnesia trope. Normally, I'd agree with you. When this starts, and it's like you're experiencing the hive... The same time as air, air. There we go. Air. That's going on t-shirt. I understand why they've done it. It starts off setting that up, and it starts off being one of the best setups for that kind of angle. But then it just goes off somewhere. It's like when she wakes up in the shower at the start. It's like she's obviously smacked her head on the side of the shower, but there's like no head wound, no blood, nothing. She's just got like a little bruise on her shoulder. Funnily enough, yeah, because we went off on a bit of a tangent there. Yeah, sorry. After everything goes haywire and everyone's killed in the hive, we cut to Alice Miljokovic, and I've put... She wakes up naked in the shower. As we found it in a flashback, she got nerve-gassed, she fell down unconscious, took the shower curtain down, landed on her head. Perfect hair. She wakes up and she's just been to the stylist. She must have just used some Pantene. She showers with Pantene, but they use the T-virus to keep her clean. <laughs> I don't know what I'm Gabriel. She's covered in scars all over her shoulders. No one else in Resident Evil has this. As far as I know, I was typing notes. As far as I know, this is never explained. No, I mean, I I just assumed it was from a fall in the shower. To be fair, and she just hit her shoulder. But that's why I quoted the ad because she she's sort of got her head on like a little raised bit, which obviously step into the shower. So that's why I thought, well, there's no blood or head wound, but she's got a bruised shoulder. So I assume she. Air to shoulder, but God knows. Well, here's a reference for you. Not many people are going to get this, although it has just been greenlit on Netflix. But in one of the Red Wall books, the main love interest is killed by being thrown headfirst into a brick wall. So That's grim. It is grim. For kids, that is. 
But no, it's clearly from some kind of experiment, or maybe it's something to do with how she was... It turns out she's trying to sell the virus later on, by the way. Spoiler. But it's. I thought she was being experimented on, and then it turns out she wasn't. I don't know. I'm sure we'll get to that. Yes. Uh, we find out why Paul Anderson really wanted to do a marry on her. Yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah, you could read Braille <laughs> off this woman's chest. <laughs> uh, we're not the kind of people that's going to go on and make all kinds of jokes. Beautiful woman. I find it odd that it's her house and she lives in it, but she's only got one dress, one pair of, like, step one boxer shorts. They hold all your stuff, according to the adverts, and nothing else. Oh, sorry, it's boots. But, you know, that's the look they want to go for. Ada what? It sort of reminds me of how in the Super Mario Brothers movie they randomly find some suits that are just like the Super Mario suits. It's just, here's your costume for the movie. That's your look. Go. <laughs> she looks out of a window. Music's, as you said earlier, this mansion music, very Resident Evil. Very, yeah. She looks out of a curtain. Looks like Raccoon Forest. I'm on board. I'm on board with what you're doing. I like it. Especially when she then does some video game stuff. She finds a file. Which is, it, it's a handwritten note that says... Today all your dreams come true, if I remember correctly. Yeah. She then does the uh, handwriting test from the running... Not the running man. Sorry, that's totally wrong. From Total Recall. When Doug Quaid arrives on Mars and he he checks into... It's not important, but he finds a handwritten note and he re, he copies the note and it's his handwriting yeah, so he knows yeah, that I've he wrote that, it. I've seen that scene, yeah. Yeah, some people might not have done. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not her handwriting, so someone else definitely wrote that. She then starts searching through the drawers, like you would in Resident Evil. She finds uh, duds and guns. This bugged me because she opens a drawer and there's loads of guns and they've got like a code lock. Now I'm immediately thinking, ah, she's going to get the code, come back, get the guns, zombies. Never seen again. Unfortunately, uh, she got past that section of the game and she didn't get the file, so uh, she missed out on that weapon. She didn't bring the broken shotgun to swap with a real shotgun. That's the one. So, it's like, here's some big gun. It, it's very, it, it just struck me as very, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> now, there's a Simpsons reference. It's almost literally, obviously not literally because there's no Chekhov, but it's almost literally Chekhov's gun, but you don't use the gun. I think it's supposed to show, oh, she's a bit... She's got something to hide. She's got lockdown guns. But why wouldn't you just have guns? Why yeah. have they got to have this puzzle lock that she spends some time looking at? Especially when it turns out later on that she knows all of the codes when she concentrates. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, especially though, like, they could have just added, like, the, the final fight in that bit where she gets the gun out. Yeah, because they end up like, right next door to that bedroom. Yeah. I've actually realised that when I said that. Weird. Yeah, so I've put puzzle lock, question mark. That doesn't happen. The cameras that are in the lab, or should I say the disco lights, can also see what's happening through the mansion. But who cares about that? Because then we see James Purefoy, and not who you thought it was, which was... Tom Jane. He does look quite a lot like Tom Jane. Now, I don't watch The Expanse, so maybe he's changed since then. I've, but I've seen him in a few things, uh, including uh, The Punisher. I don't care what anyone says. He's good in The Punisher. He bloody is. But uh, I like James Purefoy. I've not seen him in many things. The thing I've mostly remember him from is series one of The Happening, where he's 
a criminal mastermind who's got a fanatical following who will try and kill Kevin Bacon. And if you have seen the adverts, you'll understand why. Yeah, I've never seen that one. I never watched the rest of it because it got cancelled. So I was like, why continue? Yeah, true. Why try to why try to cultivate a brand? All these TV channels, when you can just cancel it and get something else. But anyway, he's cool. He is also the best actor in the movie by far, and that's not saying that anyone else isn't good. Eric Mabius is great. Uh, Miljokovic, obviously. Michelle Rodriguez. There are great actors in this movie, but he's just the best. We'll come back to him. We get the first one that I think to count. The first jump scare scare chord. There is a character just stood there and something goes past the window or runs past behind them. Now, that is a lot creepier if it's silent, I think. Yeah. Like, just like a quick shadow. A bit like, wait with me here, in Resident Evil 2, when the liquor runs past the window. That is With true. no noise at all, yeah. Yeah, I do like that. That's like one of my favourite parts of Resident Evil, like, games. That is scarier than the FMV in the next corridor when the liquor actually gets the entrance. Because that is an FMV. Yeah. You know, it's not interactive, whereas, oh, bloody hell, what's happening here then? So that's scare called one. Oh, and Alice opens the door and basically says hello to the local crow population, and their response is to shit themselves. She Every even... crow in a three-mile radius just goes, nope. She doesn't even say it that loud either. She just goes, hello, and it's just like, it's gone. She it's just like... rids the entire forest of birds. It's a proper, can I talk about, to you about our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ? It really... <laughs> Uh, suddenly, Eric Mabius grabs her, presumably Ooh. saying something like, did you see me in the Crow Salvation two years ago? Did you notice how I look younger and older at the same time, Yeah, I somehow, than I did two years ago in that movie? Which is strange, and he'll keep re-aging <laughs> and de-aging as time goes on. By the end of it, he looks damn cool, apart from his nerdy hair. <laughs> anyway, he grabs her and drags her inside for some reason. And then they get flashbanged by some special forces. I don't know if they're supposed to look like Hunk, the special agent from Resident Evil 2, or if it's just mega generic with some gas masks. See, I, I thought, um, aren't they supposed to be like Carlos's team from 3? They're supposed to be reminiscent of them, I think, but it's not them. They've been sent in by Umbrella to Yeah, they're not like a rescue team. They're, they're not just, a rescue team, no. no. They're more like a fully armed tech support team from what I can tell because they no really because they PC world with guns very un-PC world then <laughs> jokes uh, because they're supposed to go into the hive with this cake like hold all full of stuff and t- reboot the AI by the way apparently rebooting an AI stops it being homicidal I don't know so they're not special forces oh and also they have one flashbang and they use it right at the start of the movie, and then there's no more flashbacks. They could have just knocked on the door. Like, why Why crash through the windows? Could have just knocked on the door and gone, all right, we're just from maintenance. All I'm going to say is, at the end of the movie, a load of other people with white suits, who are presumed to be nerds, all just take her out with no- nothing. No guns, no flashbangs or anything. Yeah, but people in hazmat suits are proven to be, like, super strong, like, no matter what. Like, in every film, like, if you're, if you're faced with a Blake in an hazmat suit, you're fucked because it's, it's just going to take you down every time. It's like they've just got some weird superhuman strength to take you down and take you back to the lab to test on you. They do nearly kill E.T. that one time. 
See, that's my point. And as we know, he was fucking jacked. <laughs> we should point out, by the way, I've just remembered, when we first see Alice, it's because her eyes opened. It, it's, a, it's an extreme close-up of her eyes. It snaps open. It's like, oh, I'm awake. I noticed something. I had to rewind. She's got an eyelash in her eye. <laughs> she must really want to rub her eye. Because there's just an eyelash just sat in the white of her eye. And <laughs> I, I just wanted to reach out and just, you know, just love. Remember that. That's not important, but it will come back. Eric Mabius and Miljokovic have been... Uh, oh, by the way, we don't know who Eric Mabius is. I, I purported that he played James Marcus. He doesn't. I don't know this until the end, and I've already forgotten. I'm looking it up. But it turns out he plays a bloke called Matt. Don't know. They get flashbanged, and then they're asked for a... Like, this big, scary Batman. Uh, By the way, every time a black person shows up in this movie, I don't... Which is only about twice. Not counting zombies. Yeah. I'm not going, oh, look, black people, that's funny. I'm just saying that it's very like the first one you see gets killed the second one you see gets killed after fulfilling a cliche of the big scary black policeman so pardon me for jumping to such a ludicrous conclusion so the big scary black special forces man basically pins up against the wall and goes give me a report and she's like what are you on about give me a report and then they all say a lot of things which I can't understand because all of a sudden there's just you can't hear a thing over this music Something about, oh, oh, she can't tell you yet, or she can't remember yet, or something. It's very hard to find, to make out. This was while I was trying to, like, arrest Eric Mabius. Like, had him pinned down on the floor and just handcuffing him. Is, this is where he got handcuffed? Yeah. See, I didn't know that until yeah, I was... like, It happened at, like, the exact same time, where, like, the black guy, just, like, I, I, um, James, I think his name is, uh, had him pinned up against the wall, and was like, give me the report, and then you had, like, Michelle Rodriguez and the other guy just sort of handcuffing Eric Mabius. Yes, I just like to say that his, his character name is James Shade. Eight Shade. Come on. Ja- <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. James Shade, aka Wong. That's his nickname uh, or his code name. Uh, but yeah. there's no others. Like Michelle Rodriguez isn't called Two. You know. Yeah. Bit weird. But there are characters in here, and I don't remember seeing any of them, called Ms. Black, Mr. Green, Doctor Green, Doctor Blue, Doctor Brown. Mr. White, Ms. Gold, and the medic. The medic was the one who had the head off in the... Ah, yes. Why is she so far down the list, then? She gets killed at the same time as I think it's... uh, There's definitely another... There is definitely another Special Forces dude. There's two others... Who gets killed at the same time. Yeah, there's two others that get killed at the same time. Well, with uh, one. But I don't think... I think they're just like... Fodder. Yeah, they're, they're just to make numbers up, really, in the film cast. So, not important. Yes, but uh, to bring it back, that's where Eric Mabius gets handcuffed. I didn't know. I didn't even... I, 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 about 15 minutes later, I was just, why is he wearing handcuffs all of a sudden? They're not like him now. That's <laughs> how long it took. Yes, I was taking notes, but come on. It's not that... It shouldn't be that, I shouldn't be wondering who people are, why they're there, and what's going on. But, like, they're not even copies either. Like, say, they're just tech support, so why are they arresting them? Why are they putting handcuffs on them? Like, and why like, him? Because like, they're, they're not there for him. Yeah. Later on, he says, yes, I had a fake ID, but they didn't know about it. Yeah, because he posed, he posed at the minute, um, 
I think it must have been like a copper or something, because he said, oh, I'm not in the system yet, I've just started. So as far as we know, they think he's an employee, or at best, someone who's wandered into the wrong thing. So which surely you just, like, if you're Umbrella, you'd probably yeah. put a bullet in his head or something. Yeah, I didn't think of him being an Umbrella employee. I thought he might have just been like a, a like RPD or something, but yeah. That would have... Uh, oh, no, he does. He says, I'm a police officer at the start. You're absolutely right. Oh, yeah. I assume they tried to get him to be like Leon or something then. Yeah, and but then that goes nowhere. And he's like, yeah, I was here with a fake ID. <laughs> well, how is this so confusing? Oh. Yeah, so I can't hear any of the dialogue. He wants a report. We don't know. Eric Mavis is in handcuffs. I don't know why. He reckons he's a copper. It's never brought up again. They all go to a train because of reasons. This train is the Alexi 5000. That's a reference, I think. It sounds like it should be a reference. But here's the thing. There is a character called Alexia. Why would you not just put the A in? I know, weird. It doesn't affect anything, but why? Why? It's like instead of having Chris Redfield, you've got Chris Edfield. Why would you do that? (laughs) Or just Edfield. Red is a name in America, so you could just have Redfield. Yeah, like Red Williams. Yes. Well, his first name's Lynn, I think, but still. Mm. They end up on a train. Oh, something's out here. I wonder what it is. I wonder what it is. And just as she's getting ready to start the train, after it needs a bit of repairing. Wee! Scarecrow number two. Oh, it's just some dickhead playing a joke. Oh, yeah, generic jump scare, where it just focuses on something which you should be worried about. Yeah, it was like, oh, is it rats? Is something comes to go through this grate while Michelle Rodriguez is trying to start this train? And it, she stands up and it's like a colleague going, hey, you're jumpy. She tells him, blow me. Do you get it? It's funny because she's a tough guy and she doesn't have a penis. What, she said that's where it might be? No, she says it to him. Is she? Oh, okay. It's Vasquez from Aliens. That's all it is. See, the thing the thing is about her character is that I think she's way too edgy for her own good. That's the problem. It's like generic, sort of moody, but the writer trying to make really cool, sort of... Do you know what I mean? I think she's just edgy enough, but she doesn't have enough other character to her. Yeah, I think, but then I think she bounces from edgy to like really soft, like later on, which we'll get to. Which but... actually is quite refreshing. We'll get to that. Yeah. But she's just Vasquez. They're going blow me. And then the bloke who made a jump jumps. And she's like, are you jumpy? It's just, hey, Vasquez, has anyone ever mistaken you for a man? No. They're mistaking you for a man. It's not the exact quote. I get it. But it's just Vasquez from Aliens. To the point where if they ever remake Aliens, God forbid. Keep that bit in. Yeah. Let let air play her. Alice has a flashback about marrying James Purefoy, who falls into the now-moving train cabin somehow. They open a door and he just falls in. Yeah, he's just there. Like I looked there quick as well. I thought it was like Carl Urban at first. Just from like the camera angle, like really quickly, like when you saw um, David Arquette. David Arquette. I thought I saw Carl Urban. This movie is haunted by the still living ghosts of David Arquette and Carl Urban. In the flashback, <laughs> she sees a she sees that a wedding ring is basically the one ring of power. She takes it off, and it's got owned by Umbrella Corporation on the inside, engraved. So right, sham marriage, got you. Problem is, in order to give us some of the answers leading in. Purefoy has amnesia. 
So everyone is still clueless, including me. Not not in a great way. I mean, this is not Jacob's ladder. Yeah, I mean, I'm clueless as well. I don't know what the hell's going on either. I checked the time here, and we're twenty minutes in, which is strange because it's because like the intro was actually like the setup was quite quick as well, wasn't it? The setup was wasn't as quick as it could have been, but it's fairly quick. But there's been quite a lot of time between Alice waking up and Get getting the- into the yeah the hive. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, she has not said a word this entire time. She just sort of looks at everyone like mm. she looks at everyone like Lulu Dallas. Just uh, to bring your point back, like Lulu Dallas had like a are they excuse though really like. Lily Dallas was like cloned or something. I think, wasn't she? She's sort of reanimated. There are so many ways I could. She's she's sort of like. Oh, there are some references, but I can't think of them. See, just to go back to what I said earlier, though, where like on the sort of like Genova, I guess. Yeah, but like just to sort of go back to what I was saying, like amnesia don't make you like stupid. It don't make you less intelligent of a person. Hmm. Like. Surely, even though she got amnesia, she'd be talking anyway. She'd be questioning. She'd be like, like more than what she would be. Like I know, obviously, it's a bit generic. Let's say for some of amnesia to constantly ask, "Where are we going? What are you doing? Who are you, people?" But that's in reality, that's what you'd be doing, really. And it's almost like I believe in show don't tell in the movies, but they're not showing us anything, and she's not asking them to tell them anything. Exactly. <laughs> we find out that she was unconscious in the shower because of nerve gas. She's got the amnesia and the scars because she and James Purefoy were umbrella agents who were supposed to look after the mansion because it's a secret entrance to the hive lab. That still doesn't explain the scars. But why nerve gas? Why not just sleeping gas? It was very... Like nerve gas inflicts pain on you, doesn't it? They definitely say nerve gas. They don't say anaesthetic. Yeah, they say nerve gas, but surely if you just want to put them to sleep... Then you just come sleeping gas. This is the third Simpsons reference of the episode, but it is very much Homer and the Prisoner, where they just gas him every few minutes. <laughs> it, it, it's just, it, I'm just having a shower, random gas attack. Close range as well. It wasn't like it filled the room. It's just a great facing her. It's just like, tss. whatever, I'll work with you. This special forces tech support team end up in front of a doorway. Behind it is a pitch black corridor. So they send one bloke in with a night vision monocular and no torches. And what really surprised me is nothing happens. He just gets through. There are presumably dead bodies everywhere. You can't see any of them and there's no blood. They, I'm positive they go past the lift and there is no head splatter. You'd never know. Maybe like, they're on a different floor. But, like, know. there's, like, no corpses in the, like, the always either. Like, surely there's people dying in the always as well, rather than just, like, in close space, like, lifts and rooms. Later on, you find out that apparently the AI was keeping them all contained. How, how, how? How the hell does that happen? Because there's no robots or anything. I sound like I'm ripping this apart, and I sort of am. But, you know, I was trying to get into it. I really was. We're just trying to be, like, too realistic when it's a Resident Evil film, but... It's not that it's not realistic, it's that it's not Resident Evil. Yeah, and that. A random body at a window, Scarecode 3. It opens its eyes, Scarecode 4. James Purefoy gives Alice his jacket, 
his black leather jacket. Think about that. She immediately gets a flashback to when neither of them were wearing any clothes. Okay. I mean, we've already had the had the they're married thing, but I'll work with it. Yeah, we assume we, they did that anyway, but... As far as I can tell at this point, and it turns out I am very wrong, I thought there were four dudes in the Special Forces squad. I was wrong. It was about six or seven. Yeah, there's quite a few of them at first. There's Shade, Kaplan. I didn't know his name till the end either. There's the medic. There's the bloke who gets his hand off in a bit. There's the kind of worry nerd who lasts quite a long time. And I'm sure there's not. There's at least six, I'm telling you. And obviously Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, and Michelle Rodriguez, obviously. In my mind, I had to convince myself. Because they get down to two of the people being Michelle Rodriguez and this Kaplan. And I keep thinking that he was the only one from the squad left. See, I like Kaplan. I think he's like my favourite. It's weird with Kaplan because it's like, he doesn't, like they're supposed to be special forces, whether or not they actually are. Like special forces are supposed to be like like James or one or whatever you want to call him. Like as a leader, spot on how it acts. Oh, he plays it brilliant. Yeah. Whereas like someone like Kaplan is a bit sort of weary. Do you know what I mean? It's not really what a special forces would act, but at the same time, I did really like him as a character. As soon as I saw him and I I saw he was the slightly nerdy one, I was so expecting him to just be the the jokey one. And he wasn't, which was quite refreshing actually. He's a bit of a warrior. Yeah, I put I put it I put him down as worry dude. Yeah. Before I found out his name about an hour and ten minutes into the movie. <laughs> this is at the point where I point out I don't know any of their names from the from watching the movie alone. I only know Alice's from the blurb. Anyway, I noticed that as soon as uh, Milijokovic put the jacket on and covered her chest up, there were far less views of her below the neck from the front. I, I couldn't help but notice that. Uh, she's wandering around. She sees something through a window and then Shade appears at her side all of a sudden because black men are scary. Scarecore number five, I think it is at this point. It's very... I don't think Paul Anderson is racist. I think he's just... uh, I think this movie is so full of cliches. Yeah, it's a massive cliche fast. Yes, they then walk into the laser corridor, or as I have called it, restocking time at cash converters. Because it's just loads of brightly lit shelves waiting for old PS2s. (laughs) Yeah. The... Door on the other side... I mean, they don't know it's a laser corridor, in fairness. The, the door on the other side is locked. So they send a dude. I don't think it's Kaplan, despite him being the tech guy. No, he's sat at the computer. He does all the Cody stuff. Yeah, he's, they send a dude to plug in what looks like an old flip phone into the lock. <laughs> Motorola. Yeah, and then he hacks it and basically does the bit from Terminator 2 where he opens the lock with a laptop. It opens, and then all the expendable people... <laughs> and only the expendable people are off. Which is weird, though, because like, the medic goes first. Like, you think the medic could like, survive a little bit longer to, you know, medic people. That's it. It turns out this is not necessary, because no one bleeds. But all the expendable people end up in the laser corridor, and then it closes. And then the AI decides to play a little bit of laser tag, because it starts sending lasers. After- now, I thought... This sequence went on a lot longer than it actually does. There's three runs of lasers here. No, it's four. Is it four? First one um, gets the medic, lops her head off. That's the first one. Oh, then it's the side one, then it's the jump, then it's the net. Yeah, and then there's one where the guy tries to jump over the laser, but laser goes, ah, and it just goes up, follows that, him up. That but, I thought was very refreshing. It was funny. It, was, it wasn't very scary. 
But go on. It was proper like piss taken, wasn't it? Like obviously the computer was like ah. So yeah, it, it followed him up. So it cut him in half. Basically, then, it was going at it was coming at him at about knee height. Yeah. And he went to jump it, but it went up with him and went through his torso. Yeah. And then the third one came. I think that was about chest neck height. I think. And this is when James one was like the last one in there. So he jumps up, grabs onto the ceiling, pulls himself properly like dead good acrobatics as well. Like oh yeah. Proper like horizontals himself against the ceiling, so it goes under him just, but like cuts it cuts somewhat off, like, like, like a strap on his combat on his belt. Yeah. At this point, you're thinking, well, he's definitely surviving for a while. Yeah, and then um, because he's he's done all the I know kung fu stuff to escape the lasers, he's cool. And then the the last laser comes up, and he's sort of stood there, like sort of moving left to right. And then when you're getting ready for it, see, so oh, where are you going? And it comes forward and it just goes into like a massive diving grid pattern, fills the entire room. And just runs him over, and basically. Just, and it's just like, oh shit. And it just goes through him. And then he starts like sort of falling apart. But if you noticed as well, when it's falling apart, it sounds like the same sound effect as when the zombies are eating a body on the game. Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah, sound, yep. Is that it's, confirmed? So it sounds like it, like, obviously if we listen to it back, exactly in my head what I thought. Like, you know, we saw it when you're in the basement in the game, when you go down from the rope. Oh, I know. Yeah, 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 I think I know, yeah. And later on, there is another sound effect from the game, so... Well, whichever one that is, I've missed that one. But, yeah, so you can enlighten me on that one. Oh, it's not much. But, <laughs> yeah, just like that. I mean, that was a small detail I'd nerdly saw, so... Yeah. So, basically, they're stuck in a laser alleyway, and it starts throwing lights at them, and when they go through them, they get severed. Yeah, pretty much. Like Q, basically. Yeah, I just thought I had to clarify that because we sort of went, they're in a laser corridor and then it plays laser tag and they're dead. That's all we said. (laughs) But basically, there's like bars of lasers that that run up the... It's sort of playing bowling with lasers and they're the pins, I guess. There's probably like a better analogy. Oh, yeah, there's much better It's just like lasers coming down a corridor horizontally and, yeah, people probably know what we're on about anyway. Fourth Simpsons reference. You know when Homer's driving Snake's car and Snake puts the wire across but basically, the road? Like, yeah. It's sort of like that with, with lasers. Moving lasers, yeah, right. We sorted that. Right. So they spend this entire setup going, well, uh, James is going to survive and he's going to be ace and he's going to be like the big guns for the rest of the moot dad. Well, I don't get that. Again, like another thing I don't get about this entire workplace on like half a mile underground yes. where people live and work and for some reason they haven't got like vitamin D deficiency is the fact that they haven't got a kill like multiple kill switches I think I've already mentioned this anyway but they haven't got like multiple kill switches for if an intelligent AI goes haywire they can just press it from where they are rather than having to go through like laser corridors and shit to give them credit I think they might have mentioned something about a kill switch but again between not being able to wear half the dialogue and the rest of the dialogue either not being said at all when it should have been and or just not making sense. They mention it after the laser corridor when it goes all crystal maze. But it was just I suppose like the a, laser corridor is quite crystal maze. It's just like a red button, like just next to the computer who just pressed that. Just just says off. So the bloke who's definitely surviving dies. Who would have thought? That was a surprise though. Although like, to sum it up, people do say that this is the best part of the movie. Not too sure about that. But I did enjoy it for the subversion. I like how they set him up to survive and then he just died. I like how it took the mickey by following that bloke up and chopping him anyway, even worse than he would have been. Yeah. And also chopping that other bloke's fingers off. That was diagonally as well. Although the model of the fake hand wasn't very good because it, it, it chopped the hand off diagonally. So he's got less palm. 
and no room for fingers, but the glove that they put on his hand needs to fit his entire hand in, so he's just got a really long hand. <laughs> see, I can sort of see why Capcom might nick this bit for Resident Evil 4. Oh, Resident Evil 4 does it very well. Yeah, but obviously Leon survives that. Spoiler. Spoiler, the main character who is in many sequels survives it. After that... Oh, no. There was one more thing I really liked, I really liked about it. I thought this was very well done. It's just a little thing. After it's murderized everyone, both the doors open again. I really like that because it's obviously a trap and it knows that they know it's a trap. It's very Venus flytrap. I just really like that. Yeah, it was a good search. And of course, they had to go back in to get the bag, but when they do that, nothing happens. For some reason, actually. I think because it says that um, because doing that, I think um, the computer had like, lost a bit of like the defences were down or something, so it must have used a sufficient amount of energy to do it, and then it had to recharge. That's that's that, what I got from it, anyway. I think it was just flexing. I think it was just going, ah, I killed your mates. Going to come in. Ah, You stepped to me. Right, they end up in the central mainframe, and it turns out that in order to reboot an AI, you need three massive circuit boards encased in steel. And as they're plugging them in... A character appears, and I believe... I'm wondering which one of us has less four-letter words, but I'll let you describe what shows up. Fuck's sake. That's not what shows up, for fuck's sake. Um, No, it's like a really weird, bad CGI red child, a preteen girl, basically, with, like, the most fucking annoying child voice. Did you say it was a hologram? Because you said CGI. Did I? Oh. Just point out that it's a hologram. It's not just a random red kid. Yeah. And um, it's it a hologram, but like badly computerized, like preteen child. Oh, very definitely badly. Very badly. It's kind of weird as well because like the CGI in this um, film is like really bad. Besides like the dogs that come later, but yeah, it's just a hologram of a child with like a really annoying voice. As well, like, it just sounds like a really spoiled child. It's it's not sinister at all. Like it would have been better if it was just like maybe like an older woman. If we want to use an actual human voice, you and me both independently wrote down a three word phrase, which was "children are not creepy." That's four words, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I actually put "creepy girls aren't creepy." No, I didn't. That doesn't make sense. Oh, I actually to expand my entire line was kids with stupid fake put on Harry Potter accents aren't scary mate I don't think I don't think children are scary at all I, I, I hate that trope it's stupid it's like it's like one time when I'm not promo in here like when I was in college when I was doing film and TV we had to do a horror film and one of the suggestions someone made in like obviously the little sort of small group we had to work in was let's get children sing nursery rhymes it's not creepy it's, it's a boring overused trope which just it's not, like, fear-inducing. And they've always got this accent. All the time. Hello there. I'm going to kill you, you know. It's like, um, what's that film with the kids, with the eyes? Is yeah. it, is it Village of the Damned? Children of the Corn? It might. Um, I think it's sort of, it, I mean, it probably is that. I'm thinking of the, the Simpsons one again, you know, the blood in it. What, so I assume that is just ripping off Children of the Corn, but... I think it might be Village of the Damned, actually. With the telekinetic kids. Yeah, yeah, it might be it might be Village of the Damned. I get it confused with Children of the Damned, the Iron Maiden song, which also mentions gross eyes. 
But also, even Freddy Krueger had it. But at least that was a gimmick, because that was... It's not so much, oh, those kids are creepy. It's more like, oh, bloody hell, what Freddy Krueger's done to them kids. Yeah, exactly. But like, there was like a massive explanation as to like what he did. And that's and it's almost like they're trapped by him. That that works. This is just this is just hello there, I'm Windows XP and I fucking hate you. It's <laughs> Windows seven. I know seven were out at that time, but It'd be Windows ME, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. Vista. Oh, ooh, that's a good shout. Easy Vista. Vista sounds like a girl's I, name as well. I think I had to install Vista like about five times because it just kept breaking down. Really bad thing is you're only installing it so you could get the disc ready to install XP. Yeah. In a nutshell, kids aren't scary. No. Especially not kids that go... They give this kid... Now, I get it. The kid's an AI, really. But they give it a lot of... It, it is a girl. But it's an AI, so it. I'm right. Yeah. Very long words that the kid has, clearly has no idea what they mean. And the kid struggles to say some of them. Which means that the only emotion, and there isn't any, and I know she's not directed to have much emotion, but she's given these wham lines that are, that are supposed to hit you like a ton of bricks. Now, one, which you get later on, is the need to feed, which immediately made me want to play Need for Speed. That was just so empty, though. Like I say, I know it's a new computer, but it's like the easily could have got like an older woman to do that. Like, like, like the, the same accent would have worked if the female was a lot older, I, I reckon. And it, it was a natural accent. Because it's weird as well, though, because it's like, it could even go back to, like, a woman like that, like Clock Tower, you know, where, like, the woman of the mansion, who's, yeah, yeah. like, Scissorman's mum. You know what I mean? It, that's, that's what I'd envision... At, the AI to sort of be like. Do you remember Keanu Reeves in Dracula? Vaguely. By the end of it, he's all, party on, dudes! But at the start, he's all, hello there, Count Dracula. And it's, to be honest, I don't mind it that much, but it, I can see how bad it is. And whenever you hear him put on the accent, or Sean Bean in the second Silent Hill movie, Sean Bean going, how you doing? I got to drive a truck. Yeah, but sometimes his Yorkshire accent comes through. So, so, he's, so he's like talking like, an, I can't do an American accent. But sort of like, hey, I'm Sean Bean. But then like when he shakes You're right, his wife. You're right, Yeah. But then like when he shakes his, his wife, it breaks and you won't go, Whoa's! Like with his Yorkshire accent, it's quite funny. I don't know why they didn't just let him keep the Yorkshire accent. But the reason why I bring it up is because I don't know about a lot of people. But me personally, when I see like fantasy films or see, you know Game of Thrones, Robin Hood, that sort of thing, yeah, some people might see this as blasphemy. But I prefer American accents, and I, I think it's partly because they always tend to use that one RP accent, and it always sounds really forced. But also because I think the American accent in these situations is sort of without. Class, not not classless, not as in crass, but without a specific, like the the RP accent that they use is very snotty upper class, whereas the American accent is sort of different, and I, I can sort of get behind that. It's quite universal, yeah, in a good way, obviously, because you know maybe it's maybe we're just being ruined by the on encroaching cultural Armageddon that is American media, but I don't know, I just prefer it. But it's like when. Like England, like actors from England 
or just anywhere else, they go to America. It's like um, Andrew Lincoln on The Walking Dead. It took me a few years to realise that he was actually like a Cockney from London. But like he easily could have just played it as someone from London who like lived in Atlanta. I know that obviously don't go with the comics, but but then like the accent that he uses for Rick Grimes is great. It works. Same with Hugh Laurie in house. It took me about four episodes to get used to it. Yeah, that was the because we were always used to him sort of like upper class British. Yeah, especially in Blackadder Three. <laughs> yeah, hello. I was gonna try a. Uh, uh, I was going to try an impression, and that's to happen. So he's going to try, wouldn't you? Yes. So anyway, the AI is a red hologram of a preteen girl who is supposed to be based on the creator's granddaughter. We're given that information for some reason, as if he needs to explain why he's done this. Like that needs explained, but nothing else gets explained. Exactly. And she talks like this, and she goes, you're all going to die down here, to which my reaction would be, get to your room. <laughs> it's not <laughs> scary. It's just irritating. It's, it's not sinister either, like I say. It should have been someone older. Or it should have just been text. Or maybe it should have been like, you know, is it... Which is the one with the... Uh, I'm afraid I can't let you do that, Dave. Or 2001 Space Odyssey. That's the one. Yeah, I thought it was that. I've, I've actually not seen that, but I know that bit. And that is a classic voice performance of an AI. Yeah. So it's just done something like that. That's what they tried to do, but they made it posh and British. With a like human form body hologram, like, I don't know what like, that even like that even need to like exist. Exist. It's, it's like the it's like the computer AI and System Shock Two. That doesn't have a human form, does it? I mean, it has a face, but that's as much as you say. For a while, I don't know if you have a complete System Shock Two. I've got a fair bit, but not all the way. What far. I'm implying isn't what happens. By the way, you don't see Shodan's robot body. That's good, but. Yeah, if they'd have just made it text, there are two things where a similar thing happens that I think work really well. And that is in Eraser, when Arnie's in the car and it's about to get hit by uh, the train, and all of his files get hacked by the baddie, and it just goes, you've just been erased in text, and that's it. That's quite good. But also in The Fly, when Jeff Goldblum's typing in what happens when a fly gets in the fly machine with Jeff Goldblum, and it just goes, fusion, absorption. And that's abrupt and, oh, bloody hell. That works. Yeah. As opposed to, I wanted to be in Slytherin, but oh no. Anyway, <laughs> I don't like kids in horror movies. <laughs> Moving on. Depends what our, our movie is, though. Like Children of the Corn, that's a good film. But anyway, moving on. What's that Stephen King movie where the kid dies? Children of the Corn, apparently. There's a lot of them, actually. Yeah, Children of the Corn, it. Uh, Silver Bullet, maybe? That, that's I, suppose the one the Shining, with... I suppose The Shining does with the Grady twins. Uh. And that's. Proper bloody as well. The like, Silver Bullet, the one with Gary Busey. That one, I'm pretty sure the kid dies. Not seen that one. But anyway. welcome, welcome to spoiler cast. But anyway, yeah. The reason we're talking about this so long is because, and I wrote this in block capitals. <laughs> I almost went into that accent. I wrote this. I wrote this in block capitals. Three simple words. Nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. Someone got lift faced, and Miljokovic turned up with no clothes on. That was it. That's all that's happened. And lasers. Oh, and lasers. Sorry. I mean, that, very well done. Not very memorable. More lasers than a rock concert. Which is ironic, because the cameras are all really lasers. We then cut back to Mabius Rodriguez and James Purefoy, and they have all been literally, literally, sat in another room, doing nothing but fidgeting. 
she's cleaning her nails with her, the point of a combat knife. A combat knife which I believe never gets used. Yeah, I don't see you using knives. So they've been sat doing nothing but being bored. Just saying. But then, don't worry, because Michelle Rodriguez goes around the corner and there's a zombie. Ooh. Sorry, a person. It's like, they do the thing that they do in every zombie movie. Yeah, every single time. Sir, you must, or oh, madam in this case, you must turn around. Do not come towards me. I will be forced to attack you. Why is your face rotting? She gets bitten on the hand. It, in the sort of crook between the thumb and the index finger, which I thought was weird. It's just a weird place to bite someone in a zombie movie. So she's considering she's operating guns. She needs that finger. Yeah. But a nasty place to get bitten. I don't want to get bitten there. Yeah, it's like, where's the worst place to get a paper cut? Between the fingers. And the Between toes. the fingers, yeah. Ugh. Actually, you're right. The, the toes is probably worse because then you've got the implications of what kind of freaking situation you're in where someone's paper cutting your toes. Anyway, she gets bitten and then... Oh, sorry, and Kaplan's there as well, I think. No, he's not. He's with Alice in the AI. Who's the other bloke then? Not poor fight. Oh, there was another bloke. No, sorry, there was another Special Forces bloke here. See, see what I mean? I don't even know his name. I don't know what he looks like. He was just a second Kaplan to me. He looked exa- identical. Oh, you mean... Also, yeah, where did all the gas masks go? I was meant to... Uh, yeah, I was meant to bring that up. They have, like, the breaking for the windows with the gas masks, and then they go into, like, an underground facility, which is known for, like... Gassing people. Like, you know, viral experimentations <laughs> and that. And they have them. Weird. Ten quid on eBay. But then surely they're, like... The virus, anyway, would be airborne. It wouldn't have cleared that quickly either way. They do say something like, oh, there's no residual stuff here. But you'd fetch the masks, especially anyway. when you start getting attacked by viral creatures. But anyway... And at one point, they're going through, like, climbing on air pipes. Anyway, so that's how, like, forgettable these characters are. I don't know the names, I don't know what they look like, and I've just watched them for an hour and a half. This other Special Forces dude who isn't Kaplan walks up, and he threatens him again. It's like, oh, no, why have you got a full litre of blood in your gob? Oh, okay. I won't shoot you then. And he, he puts two rounds in the leg. Smart. Like it. That's what you do if you need to put someone down and they're a bit freaking attacking you. You get them twice in the thigh. Yeah. Doesn't go down. He's like, what? And then they immediately cut to the end of episode one of uh, Gathmeranga's Dark Place. <laughs> you know where Renwick gets up out of his grave and everyone's got all the guns in the world. And they're just filling in full of that. Shotguns, flamethrowers, magnums, berettas. I'm pretty sure there's some kind of chain gun. They just fill it. Just Michelle Rodriguez and not Kaplan. That's his name now. I won't need to use it for much longer. Yeah. Just unload so much lead. Into, it's like bang, bang. <laughs> I don't want to hurt you, bang in the thigh. And then just... See what got and me? Then, oh, go on. No, I say what got me though, right? Because like I think I'm sure this film is like a massive sort of reference fest as well, though. Because there's that zombie with the axe, and I instantly just thought, "Ask the dad." No, he doesn't, he doesn't use the axe. It's just see that'd be really him. good, but <laughs> this isn't that zombie game they're adapted. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying there with the references because I'm sure there's been like other references I've seen. Like I, I was really hoping that wasn't supposed to be a reference to Bacon One. But like it's just when it's just dragging the axe, but it doesn't actually use it, which is. I don't know if it's disappointing or not because again, it's Michael Myers with a with a um, waste disposal. Yeah, but what what also got me is after they fill this zombie full of lead, it goes flying backwards like it's must be one of them catapults or something that they use into its and it not only is it like wire food backward, it stands there, takes all these bullets, and then decides it's going to fly backward, and then it goes into the pro wrestling thing of just a big pile of soft stuff. 
In this case, it's big old dryer, tumble dryer venting pipes. That's it. Moving on. That's all that happened. <laughs> I was trying to think of something to add to that, but like, there just isn't. Is there it? is nothing to add to it. It they fill it full of enough lead to take, start a pencil factory. Take down an entire army just into this one blow. Yeah, and on the last bullet, it decides I'm going to do a big flip now. This is where you fall down. This is where you fly off. That sorted. There's a couple more zombies showing up. So not Kaplan tries to get through this door. It's a code door, and he has to hack it because of reasons. They keep saying these people know the codes. Alice knows all the codes, but she can't remember the codes. I don't think she enters a single code in this movie. No, she doesn't. At the end, she's hacking doors still. But it turns out that I think it's Cap- I think it's Kaplan, who's back by now, knows the code. So he's trying to hack it and put the code in. It's not working. And he yells the code. It's such a long code. It's like nine digits. Yeah. I would have been able to remember that. Like you were saying at the time, and I couldn't. Especially in the situation that was in as well, like surrounded by zombies at this point. Yeah. Not being able to hear over the soundtrack. And the fact that Captain was actually a bit shaky as well. Yeah. Added on. I was like, he would not have been able to remember that digit number, that nine digit number, rather. By the way, I mean, not don't use this for crime, but if you ever find a door keypad and you think it's four numbers, 2512. Most people just put Christmas, memorable date. So let's get our swag bags. He puts in the code. Finally, we get out of here. The door opens, and he's immediately mobbed by every zombie in the known universe. Oh, that's like, this is the Dawn of the Dead bit in the lift. Yeah, like, easy. That's easily a throwback to Dawn of the Dead. Oh, yeah, definitely, because it's also a throwback to Shaun of the Dead, when, uh, which obviously references that Dawn of the Dead, when uh, the zombies all come through the pub door to get, uh, what's his name? Um, Dylan Moran. Oh, what's his name? In the film. I know, I've forgotten his name. Um, David. David. And they like pull all his, his guts out and stuff. Yeah. But it looked more like that, because it, the reveal, it wasn't... It was just funny. But it's really weird, though, because it's like... Um, Sean Ledad doing that bit, like Don Ledad or whatever, like, I'm, I'm assuming it got less budget than Resident Evil, but still did that bit really well visually with a... Like, it was it was with, disgusting. Yeah, with the belly tearing open, whereas in this film, like they're both the same age rating as well. Whereas in Resident Evil, just nothing. Yeah, that's very well pointed out. In the Shaun of the Dead scene, they actually it, it is disgusting. Like they like pull sinews out of him and then tear the sinews. Yeah, it's, it's awful. And in this, there's nothing. They just kind of all put their hands on his head like he's a gay stick. <laughs> all that, all like it's. Like he's some kind of ceremonial puppy that they've got a pet. And and then he's gone. And then he shows up again later and he's a zombie. Well, w- without a mark on him, I don't think. Um yeah, he shows up again. Well yeah, this is at that bit there where like Michelle Rodriguez like sort of drops reginess for a bit and like actually turns into sort of like distressed woman. Do you know what I mean? Oh no, she's still edgy for now because she's, you know, picking her nails with a knife. No, this uh, is the bit where he's getting dragged off into the lift because she she must have been like his best mate or something like that. Because there's not like there's no relationship told between the two either. So I don't know if it was like dating or they're just best friends. But when he's getting pulled, I mean, I know the teammates and that, so I suppose they might be close anyway. But when he gets dragged in, she's giving it all. No, not Kaplan, trying to get him back out. <laughs> so she's like really sort of distressed, worried or, or whatever. See, so that's what I say. Like she bounces from being edgy to like really worried, and it's just like one extreme to the other. There's never really any in between. And this is what happens with Alistair as well. She's basically the same. She goes from being knowing absolutely nothing 
instantly to I know exactly what I'm doing here. And then, but then, like, it, it does it again, though, to, like, she acts really stupid, so I know what I'm doing. But then after she knows what she's doing, she goes back to being absolutely dopey again. She has no character development in this movie, which is weird, because she loses her memory and gets it back. Michelle Rodriguez's character should have been the main character, should have been Jill Valentine. You can you could have changed nothing and just said, oh, she's a tough guy, Jill Valentine. It would have been fine. So watching the film, you can certainly tell that Michelle Rodriguez's character was obviously Paul's favourite character. You can easily see that. Yeah, because she's got all the best lines. She has some character development, which I think is really refreshing. You mention it. She breaks under pressure. Yeah, I mean, I'm ripping on the character, but at the same time, it's not a bad character. I just think the transitioning from emotions is a bit too sudden. I can't say it's a well-written character. What I can say, it's a well-thought-out character. Yeah. There's some great ideas in this character. Like, mo- like air characters, obviously, thought of the most, like, Joe in the writing process. Easy. Yeah, she is the big tough guy, but it actually gets to her. It's like, no, sort of like, see, I see Alice, like, sort of like Tidus from Final Fantasy X. Yeah. Like, he's, you play as him, he's the main character, but... It's not his story. But yeah, it's, it's not about him. It's about Yuna. Yeah. Or, even though I've not really played it, Van from Final Fantasy XII, who was added late in development. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I get with this Alice. Because like, obviously Paul and Miller weren't married at this point, was that? I think that's when they met. This is basically when they got together but, during the making of this movie. But they must have just thought, you know, we've got a special forces team, but we just need some sort of filler. So they will just chuck this. That's why, I think that's why she really got a last name. It just feels like it was just, we'll just chuck this character in there then, whatever. Oh, it turns out she has got a, a name. I didn't know it until right at the end. When they're on the train at the end, I thought she was called Ray. And it turns out she's called Rain. Yeah, yeah, I knew she was called Rain. I just call her Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah, I do, because I didn't know till the end. While this Dawn of the Dead reference is happening, Eric Mabius is trying to get out of his handcuffs. This is when I noticed he had handcuffs on. <laughs> it's not like backed into a corner, trying to get... Someone dropped the keys as well, which I forget which where that happened. Not Kaplan dropped them when he was... Sh- Getting pulled into a lift one at. Uh, no, it was when he was shooting every gun in the world. And then he picked him up to sort of unlock his handcuffs from behind him, yeah. He drops the keys down a grate, but is then out with handcuffs anyway. No, he, he, he he's kicking a zombie in the face. A flaming zombie, by flaming the way. Flaming zombies. So there's your avatar reference. Um, oh, yeah, of course, thank you. <laughs> and um, he's, they're falling into a grate, but for some reason, he can still get his fingers down there and get the keys. Okay. But anyway, he got them out and he unlocked himself. So that's that's his, that's that bit sorted. That's that bit explained. Cool. <laughs> that fire on that zombie looked weird, but that's nitpicking. I think it's I think it was the colour mix and everything else was very blue. And then you just had this very realistic looking fire. Yeah. This is this is at the point. Now I swear to God I did not remember any of this movie. When they're trying to get the lift open and there's zombies coming towards them. Everyone's like, shit, ah, ah, no, no, panic, panic, panic. And James Purefoy is just cool as hell. And he's just like, let's get it open. Yeah. And I was like, yep, he's the baddie. <laughs> See, he's, like, just, he was far too, he's far too cool. He does nothing, though, really. Like, most, most of the people in this film do nothing. I know. None of them do anything apart from... It. The whole thing is one big crystal maze. They're going from room to room, zone to zone, along these tunnels. But it, it was just funny because the oh, everyone is panicking. They're all drenched in sweat, and he's there like he's just had a bit of a nap, and he's like, "Yep, they're my uh, they're my zombies then." 
I mean, it turns out they're not, but they might as well have been. Yeah. In Hannibal, when the TV series when Mads Mikkelsen invites all of the people on that on the cannibal case around for dinner, feeds some people while making cannibal puns, and they don't even cotton on. It's just that. <laughs> By the way, there's another uh, TV series I was massively into, but then didn't watch the last series because they cancelled it. Hannibal gets. They kept saying it might come back, but I don't think it will now. Once the zombies break in, I find myself really disappointed with their training, these special forces. Because seven years before this movie, in 1995, they were given some priceless information by Colonel Arkady Grigorovich Oromov, where he says, don't shoot, you'll blow the gas tanks. They shoot, they blow the gas tanks. They know what's going on now. And it's the most... It's not like a control... Yeah, this will take care of them, we'll all be safe. It's just, I think we're just going to shoot things and probably hit these gas tanks. Let's go for it anyway. It's it's not exactly like a deodorant flamethrower. It's more like jumping a fire, holding some deodorant and hope it doesn't explode. They all escape. And then something appears in a tank. Uh. This is where we have the proper divide on quality because the practical effects look bloody good. You see a brain and it's got pipes and needles and stuff in it. That looks good. It's practical effects. The practical zombies look good, but the CGI zombies, woeful. Same with this. You see this practical brain, it looks gross. It sort of reminds me of when you have the... We are big on references on this podcast. If you've ever played Mass Effect, which Scott hasn't, so he's not going to get this. Yeah, sorry. But you see a vision of the past where machines are taking over, and you see this... Honestly, to this day, I can't tell if it's all CGI or if there's some practical in it. But you see like these fangs and circuit boards and stuff. And it reminds me of that. It's really well done. Then the tank opens up and the liquor gets out. It, and, um, yeah, Scott's review of this liquor is... What the fuck is that, mate? I'll tell you what it is. PS1, that's what it is. Not even PS1. That's like ZX Spectrum. It's... The CGI is so terrible. Like, they must have spent most of the money just on that. Easy. Like, the zombie dogs look better than that. I think the zombie dogs were just painted red, to be honest, looking at them, but it's it's terrible. It's like supernatural sort of CGI, like crap. T- budget TV. Yeah. Not just supernatural. We're not just picking on supernatural. No. Like, sci-fi channel CGI, like, in the middle of the day... It is barely above when they brought back Doctor Who in 2005, and that had no budget. If you remember seeing uh, in the episode Father's Day when they had the weird time dragons, and it's just appalling. It really is. Uh, I mean, visually, like, the model's spot on, but how it actually looks CGI-wise, terrible. Like, yeah, the proportions is great. See, they got, yeah, yeah, they've got the proportions absolutely spot on. It's like a squashed head, but again, I can forgive that. Not everything is going to be exactly the same. Uh, like I say, CGI, god-awful, but practically, yeah, it's all right. Uh, around this time in the movie, there is a zombie that is very reminiscent to me of one particular zombie in the video to Michael Jackson's Thriller. It's the bit where all the music drops out and it's all like, oh, the zombies are gaining on us. And it zooms in on this... Like, well, it sort of side, pa- side pans into this one and he's got like loads of blood in his gob and he's sort of like gnashing his teeth slowly. It was like that. But crap CGI. When was Thriller out? I think it was 84. Yeah. So 80, 82, 84. This was out 
20 years later just about and it looks woeful in comparison because it's just crap CGI whereas that looked like a zombie See, I was going to say like if the liquor was like Roger Rabbit animation it probably even would have been better than that yeah, because that would have been stylistic and you could make it a bit creepy. Like, uh, oh, like the Shadow Demons and Ghost. Yes. Their, their drawings and sort of stop motion, well, you can't really do it with scientific monsters, but it's an idea on how to approach the direction of your effects if you're not going to do though, practical. Because well, then Black Shadow is like creepy as fuck compared to the liquor as well. Exactly. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I like, I mean, Ghost is one of my favourite films. Ghost is a fantastic film. But like, them, them Shadow Ghosts are just they still creep me out which is weird because they're good guys technically yeah I think it's got nothing to do with video games we might just do ghost one of these days yeah see oh and actually to bring it back with the dogs I think you are right I think they coloured the dogs but then they added some CGI over some of the dogs yeah because I think one of them didn't have a throat I see why they did that but it's worse because it looks like they've got masks on same with the human ones it's like masks made out of CGI that have been painted on the film or something. Well, I, I don't. It's like they've got an app, like a face app that turns you into a zombie. Yeah, but I don't understand how they broke out the cages though. Oh, they're like, strong. Enough. I say, I, I assume then, like the T virus or whatever virus it was, makes you super strong. But, but it's like what gets me as well is that the dogs have obviously just been hanging around that one area. Yeah, for that time, like it would have been better, I think, if you just saw like a stray one, like in the middle of like the zombies or something. They thought, oh, "What the fuck's that? They've got dogs as well." I think that would have been better rather than just because it's because the thing is with this film is like yeah. it's what got- you're suggesting. What you're suggesting is they have a cave troll, and then there's just a massive cave troll in Lord of the Rings for no reason. But that's fine. Yeah, pretty much. It's like because they've got it. It's like this film is like keyframes. Do you know what I mean? Like like key events in an actual game where it's like you get to a certain point and then something will happen. Yeah. It's like 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 with the hunters in the game where it's like you go back to the mansion and then you and then it runs through the door or whatever. It's sort of like that. I think it would have been better if the dogs were just stray, just running about, and then you just see one like injected in like a zombie mob. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like more natural rather than just them just hanging around waiting for them just to get to that area like in a game. To bring it back to the beginning. What about if instead of chucking the virus into a random empty room, he opens the dog kennels and lobs it in there? That would have been better. I would like that, actually, because it's like on 28 Days Later, wasn't it, for the, with the ch- chimpanzees? Can I just shock you? I've never seen 28 Days Later. Oh, well, it just... Um, I don't like running zombies. Yeah, they're just experimenting on like chimpanzees and then just one breaks out, and that's how that starts, basically. Planet of the... Jesus Christ! Yeah, at this point, I stopped counting the jump scares. because We were on at least eight or something like that by now, and I was just like, nah. Yeah, this is at the point where you hear a loud clang, and I'm pretty sure it's the from the title screen of the first Resident Evil. Oh, I didn't clock that if it was. But it's such a short sound effect that... I mean, if anyone knows, I know, or uh, someone else we know knows. But... Uh, while there's zombies around, everyone's fighting them. Eric Mabius has done a runner, and Alice has also wandered off. And at this point, it occurs to me, I wonder if it was Miljokovic's request to wear the jacket. Because I do know, in the sequel, all of the female characters are wearing very little clothing, and she demanded, like, a plot reason. And they say it's a heatwave, as opposed to just giving more clothes. So... You know, pardon me for jumping to such a ludicrous conclusion, but uh, 
It seems likely. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, certainly a possibility. It was at this point, in a dark corner of the shop, that I could just barely make out some blood. That was good, wasn't it? Bloody hell. Moving on. The dog cages squeak. That's another scare code, but we're not counting them anymore. And then there's a friendly dog. Ah. It's very friendly. It l- It's so happy to see her. And then it tries to uh, rip her face off. It's in slow motion for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know if they just had to make up time or what. And uh, all of a sudden, Alice knows Kung Fu. Yeah, it's like, this is what I mean about, like, yeah, sort of being an afterthought because it's so quick how she remembers things. And because it's post-Matrix, everything was on wires. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, some of the stuff in this reminded me of Matrix. And then, like, she did that really weird, like, bouncing off the walls to, like, kick a dog oh, in the face. That, 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 that's not for a minute. Uh, 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 although we did very much enjoy it. Before that, she it, there's one dog. She locks herself in, like, a testing chamber. One thing I liked about this is... I'll just lock myself in the testing chamber. Aha, I can't get me dog, can you? Turn around. Oh, my God, zombie. That was quite well done. Yes. That, again, that's another cliche, but yeah, it was all right. It was a cliche, but I was so... Like, see it happening, but... I was, was so invested in the dog. Yeah. Because it was one dog. If it was loads of dogs, I'd have gone, well, yeah, that's a red herring. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Just like if it was loads of zombies, I think that there's like a hunter or a dog behind it. She takes care of the zombie... And then the dog jumps through the window. Now, remember, this is super thick testing chamber glass that they deliberately try to pickaxe through at the start of the movie and they can't do it. So, uh, just saying. But it's a dog jumping through a window. It's from the game. It works. Even if the window's the wrong type of glass. Yep, the window's the wrong type of glass because it's unbreakable glass, but it breaks. But, you know, apparently they can get out of steel cages. We'll, we'll let them go. She pulls the dog down with a gun that she took off the zombie... And then opens the door. A zombie, which my mum had after she killed, you could still see the actor moving. Yes. Maybe he was laughing at what came next. Yeah, probably, because I thought that was funny. She opens the door, and there's about six dogs just staring at her. Now, I don't know if you've seen Last Action Hero, but there's a bit where Arnie shows up at the bad guy's house, played by Charles Dance. Charles Dance just, like, clicks his fingers, and there's, a lo- and there's about six or seven dogs there. And he clicks his fingers again, and they turn around and they're instantly in like a human but dog pyramid. And that's all I could think of. It's it's like she's walked in <laughs> on these dogs recreating a run DMC photo shoot. I just couldn't get over it. Oh, God. And then she starts shooting them. That is not the problem here. No, it's one where I, there's a bit I mentioned like not long ago where she, for some reason, like, Wall jumps twice. Do you remember when I mentioned the Matrix? <laughs> and then she kicks a dog in the face and that kills it. It's incredible. It jumps out of bow and why none of them go through the window? That, that that would have been when she opened the door, if there's one trying to get through the win- the hole in the window that the other one came through, and she opens the door thinking I'll get away from this one and it's getting through the window oh. and there's another five. I think that was like the most ridiculous bit in the film. Oh it was definitely more it was more ridiculous than the laser corridor, which yeah. was pretty ridiculous. You might enjoy it, but it's ridiculous. Why don't you just have drone guns? Yeah, why not? There's a gas. Anyway, we're getting who hooked up on the laser corridor. There's one dog left after she shoots them all, and it runs at her. So she turns around, runs to, into the corner of the room, jumps up, kicks one wall, jumps onto another wall, like like wall kicks, kicks off that one, and then does a big roundhouse and destroys this dog with a kick. Um, while... Getting massive crotch shot in the process. 
You can tell that the bloke who directed this really liked it, can't you? It's almost like they're going to get married. I know, it's weird, isn't it? Just a bit. It's not the last of a crotch, you're going to be saying. No. Eric Mabius, who plays Eric Mabius... We find out he's got his own story arc. Yeah, imagine that, a story arc. He finds an ID card with a photo of a woman on it, and it says Lisa. He goes, Lisa, just to tell us. Even though we've just seen it, he goes, Lisa. And he does say Lisa again in a minute. Now, immediately I thought, ah, Lisa Trevor from the remake. Then I remember this came out before the remake. So it's not that. It turns out it's his sister. Unfortunately, he can't explain further because a bank manager zombie shows up and starts humping the window. So, cut away to a bit where it is just aliens again and they're shooting zombies and there's very little... There's no tension with it. It's just here's zombies. Which is good for some things, but not in others. Like, for example, House of the Dead. If you were doing House of the Dead, you could just have them mowing zombies down. Yeah. That'd be incredible. It cuts back to Eric Mabius on a straightaway. Whose name is probably Eric Mabius, but I don't know. I say Mabius. Yeah, I say that. I thought Scott Bakula's name was Scott Bakula until about a year ago. Yeah, because we just thought like, Bakula just sounds like silly because it sounds like Dracula. Yeah, they're called Scott Bakula. He's cooler. And I love Quantum Leap. Anyway, we cut back to Eric Mabius. Lisa shows up. He keeps saying hello. She's a zombie. She's a zombie, mate. She's a zombie. She attacks him. And then she gets lamped in the head by Alice, who has like some kind of executive toy. Uh, it looked like one of the photo cubes you get. You know, like a paperweight. Some kind of tesseract. But that's why um, I say that she goes from being like, no, what she's doing, to going back to Dopey. Because when she, like, it's there on the head with the photo cube, she's got a look on her face. Like, she doesn't know what she's doing. With the photo box. Yeah. But I mean, I assume maybe because up until that point, maybe to where that's the first time she's killed a human. But but here is where we get some more concrete evidence about who she is because Alice recognises her. Eric Mabius goes, that's my sister. She was working on the inside. She's a mole trying to get the truth about Umbrella's T-virus research out and leak it to the press. Alice has another flashback. This is like the third now. Third or fourth? Uh, I think about about third, maybe, I think. No, I think it's the fourth. It's the third one of the same one we've seen, anyway. Anyway, yeah. She's meeting Lisa in a graveyard and going, I can help you get the uh, virus out. So she is working against Umbrella to make some money by selling the virus to, or the info about the virus, to Lisa, who will then sell it to the papers. Yeah. She She remembers this, but doesn't tell Eric Mabius. Interesting. Mabius, at this point, is now too quiet, I've written down. Couldn't understand a word he was saying, because he was speaking quietly, and they just hadn't... The the music, when it was playing, was too loud for the dialogue. Here, there was no music playing, and I couldn't understand a word he was saying. Whoever mixed this, the audio, in this movie, needs a slap, because they don't know how... Did they listen to it before they mixed it? It's like they just did what I do when I'm recording a slight monologue rather than a full episode where I'll just whiz through it and go, yep, I can't see any peaks here. That will do. But it, but I did. But what I did manage to make out is that he is also a mole and he was working... Is he is also a mole. Now, this got confusing because apparently he's a police officer, but also he was uh, a mole pretending to be part of Umbrella. But he's working to try and get the... Can you hear me trying... <laughs> It's a difficult one. He's a copper, but he's not a copper. He's an, an umbrella... He's an umbrella employee, but he's not an umbrella employee. He's a bloke pretending to be an umbrella employee in order to help his sister 
who isn't an Umbrella employee, who doesn't need his help because she's got Alice to get the truth about the virus out, I think. Maybe. Possibly. Eric Mabius hates Umbrella. Double agent. Bang. Done. Abridged. And this, 55 minutes in, is when we first hear T-Virus, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's around about that, yeah. We also don't explain what the T-Virus is. Oh, they just get later T-Virus. On, yeah, later on they explain what it does, but they don't say the Tyrant Virus. And they don't say it's going to be a bioweapon or anything. Just put a letter in front of virus, make it sound trendy. Virus. Sona 4 with a stake, we're not getting into that. And then there's a blatant jump cut that they try to cover up with a weird CGI transition. Yeah, weird CGI transition where they're both running down like a... It's like the, the CGI map they put at the start of the film with like the hive, and you see like two people running in like red. Like I assume it's going to be like fair more body imaging or whatever. It's sort of like Predator Vision on a map. Yeah, and then they get back to like Michelle Rodriguez and all that lot, and they close the door behind them like, shit, there's zombies coming after us. But the first question, which isn't asked, was, where the fuck have you two been? <laughs> Considering that Eric Mobius was supposed to be in handcuffs, being escorted around by the Special Forces, they aren't gone, where the fuck have you been, mate? You, you know, you, where, where are your handcuffs? Why? What? What's going on? See, that wasn't my first question. My first question was, can you rewind that? I don't know how the fuck they teleported back to the others. Yeah, legit, we had to rewind that bit. We had to rewind it, and it, it, it was blatantly a jump cut, and they've just jammed in some cheap CGI of a map that shows them run, running for a couple of seconds, and then they're back. Also, um... I just need to point out because this is the scene as well where we see not Kaplan again but obviously the zombified version of not Kaplan and uh, Rain Michelle Rodriguez or whatever is pointing a gun at him not wanting to shoot him but obviously she's got to but we need to point out as well that she's been bitten about four times by now and she's a proper kebab at this point and this is why I rec- this is why I say that she was obviously Paul Anderson's favourite character because it transformation process is so dragged out whereas obviously not Kaplan it's just like you know you see him again literally like 10 minutes later and he's like full on zombie that that is the rule though if you're an expendable bloke you will zombify immediately yeah well if you try to hide or work through it you'll keep it for ages but yeah Sean's mom and Sean are the dead yeah but yeah it just it just takes so long and but like what what I do like though because this is the pipe scene as well isn't it where they go yeah, over the right. top of the pipes and then all the zombies are like trying to grab them whatever I mean just before this point though obviously Michelle Rodriguez is like squeezing a hand wound to just drip blood on the zombies just to rile them up a bit but then they're all crawling across the nice touch by the way it was alright I did like that bit and then they're all crawling across the pipes uh, not a actual Kaplan falls in oh this was Oh, this. Well, see what I lo- what I like though really is the fact in like most zombie things or like Walking Dead or whatever, someone gets infected, bang, shot to the head. On this, not abandoning anyone, which I thought was all right, even though they know what's going to happen. So mm, I don't know if that's a plus point or not, but I like the fact that there's a little bit of loyalty in this film with, with the characters. You won't just tell them to go do one if you've just been dropped into a zombie apocalypse. Not really, but like if you know they're going to turn the first thing you'd do is put a bullet in them in it really you'd at least consider it wouldn't you yeah or like, and like, so anyway yeah so they open back up and then they're like come on Kaplan come with us and he's like no I'm not going to make it 
so he's forcing them to go so they end up leaving him anyway you, you've glossed over one of my favourite bits of the scene go on I've got to do it before before you move on the bit where the pipe falls oh yeah there's one section of pipe like there are sections oh, yeah. of pipe and there's one particular one that Alice and not Kaplan is it not Kaplan or Kaplan Kaplan not Kaplan's gone anyway now yeah there's this one that Alice and Kaplan is on now you've got the main character and the most expendable character left in the movie and it all collapses wires come down brackets come out it's proper calamity some proper cowboy builders put this in (laughs) and it this pipe big pipe that they're on falls into the sea of zombies below it falls at at an angle so Kaplan goes straight in and lands in the reaching arms of the zombies whereas Alice does as any of us would when we fall straight down which is to fly up and out at a 45 degree angle to to up just up and back float majestically through the air and land on the other side of the gap (laughs) she doesn't jump she she just falls up (laughs) it's levitates yeah i forgot about that bit yeah it's quite something (laughs) i was too busy laughing about that to realize what how they get kaplan 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 how they get the Catman back out he um, he just sits there and tells him to leave him because it they just can't save him and then yeah but how is he back because he was at zombie level he, he uh they drag him back up right okay and then this is after the oh and he sat on the ledge yeah sat yeah, on the ledge right. and then he tells them to go and leave him they're saying no come with us and he's like no I, you can't save me so then he gets a gun and we got like one bullet left so obviously he's thinking right he's just going to top himself and it cuts away while there's a gunshot cuts away it's a gunshot and then that's the end of Kaplan except it isn't is it because well that's he, just a big spoiler now because that made us think that Kaplan was gone but no. I'm, not, I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's not gone but what I'm saying is oh, he didn't shit. top himself with a gun did he well no but anyway, so then that's that scene ended. They've they've gone. He do, he does do possibly the most cliche line in the movie here. You're gonna to have to wait for your meal. It's it's, it's, an, it's an all right line. It's something Arnie would say. Easy if if it was Arnie. Do you I know don't what think Arnie'd say. It's it's an Arnie level one liner, I reckon. Not necessarily him, but it's an aliens level one liner, which I think is exactly what they were going for. Yeah, and didn't he end up directing Aliens versus Predator as well? Paul Anderson? Yeah. He did. Fuck's sake. I mean, at least it's not you, Ball. Uber Ball, I believe it's pronounced. Oh, yes, I'd just call him... We'll, we'll get to him. We'll get to him. Oh, we'll fucking get to you, Ball Man. Here's what I want to know. There's, a, there's an Alien vs. Predator movie. There's an Alien vs. Predator game, but they're not connected. Do we technically do the movie? Well, it's like Resident Evil the film, though, isn't it, really? But that's based, well, allegedly based on Resident Evil. Yeah, but the only thing the only thing we get from Resident Evil film is the umbrella logo is plastered everywhere. Yeah. The city's called Raccoon City and T-Virus own the liquor. Like, you can't really count the zombies because zombies aren't exclusively Resident Evil. Mm. There's, there's no characters from Resident Evil. So like, like I say, it would have been better if it wasn't called Resident Evil. But what I'm saying is there's Alien vs. Predator the movie, but it's based on those two movies. It's not based on the game Alien vs. Predator. Um, I will see about that one. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll be feeling particularly uh, 
masochistic further down the line and do it. And then in the next scene, for some reason... Yeah, get, get him back. Yeah. In the, in the next scene, for some reason, it's like it turns into bloody Dark Souls where she's stood in the corridor and then there's like just ghosts wandering about what they did before they died, like in the game Dark Souls when you see the ghosts running about. They're like other players who died. Yeah, it, it's very inserted high school. I think she's supposed to be having memories. Yeah, that's obviously what it is. But I, as soon as I saw that scene of the ghost walking about, I just thought it's playing Dark Souls. I mean, it makes sense considering everyone's died. Yeah. And the fact that, it, to be fair, the character's a bit dopey, like the main character you're playing as Dark Souls. Well, that's <laughs> obviously why he's dead, because he just can't jump. You play as Dark Souls. Yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Steve Mr. Souls. Dark Souls. <laughs> just call me Dark. This is a bit where she uh, remembers. Oh, just just to just to go back for just a moment, Michelle Rodriguez can't fire the gun when they when they're uh, pulling Kaplan back out, which is more character development. I liked it. Good. I mean, Alice just goes out like that, bang, bang, bang. Oh, here we go. No shit. Yeah, sorry. Apparently, that's that. nothing compared to what comes up in the sequels, which I haven't seen. So that's going to be fun. Ugh. Yeah, so anyway, they, they um, finish in the underground zone and they go through the tunnel into the blue zone, out of the boiler room zone. And this is where she sees all the flashbacks of Dark Souls. It's a weird way of doing a flashback when you've had loads of conventional flashbacks. It's like we're now going to do a different kind of flashback. Yeah, but it's still a flashback and is isn't the same one as well, again. Like, I thought it was the AI doing a hologram at first. That would have been better, I suppose, to fuck with them, but... It would, but why would be the big question. It's like, why do you have all these flashbacks in one way and then in a totally different way? It doesn't It doesn't make sense. But we'll let it go. I worked out eventually it was a flashback. And it's... What she has a flashback of is something which turns into the biggest missed opportunity in this movie. Go on. They're injecting rabbits with a T-virus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, we had a rabbit when we were kids... And it was a bastard. Vicious as fuck. That, the, the milkman was scared of it. The milkman was scared of the rabbit. Bit through my leather shoes. Boots, sorry. It was just so... Aggressive. Yeah. Now that, on the T-virus. That's so, all I'm saying. Sort of like the rabbit from Monty Python, but like, scarier. So you went straight to Monty Python, and I went straight to Watership Down, in my mind. So Two different ends of the spectrum, it's fine. Two different ends of the spectrum still ends up with rabbits killing people. Not people. Killing. That'll do. Rabbits are people too. Killing people. But she also finds out in her memory that the apple-flavoured one is the antivirus. So there's a cure. Hooray, we can save people that have been bit. However, at the end of a flashback, she has another flashback in the conventional way. It's like an ad within an ad. Yeah, it's very Inception. And what happens here is... Now, again... I was noting things down, so all credit to the movie. Maybe I misunderstood this because I missed something. She has a flashback from James Purefoy's point of view. Yeah, yeah, I've actually just felt, yeah, it's weird. It's like the same, it's the same flashback with her and that Lisa, and this time he's at the window with like a... Directional mic. Directional mic from inside the mansion, so... He can hear what they're talking so he about. he can hear what they're talking about, so... So was he also a double agent then? Well, I thought he just remembered. I thought he just got his memory back. And it took about five minutes for me to realise, no, he never had amnesia in the first place. He was putting it on. 
But what I don't understand is she has this recollection of talking to Lisa about selling the virus and she didn't know in the flashback that he was listening, but now she does. Yeah, that's weird. So they both go for this gun at the same time. Now she knows he's a baddie who hasn't got amnesia after all. And at this point, he turns into a fucking legend. He's generic. He's all, I'm going to sell the virus and get lots of money. But it's James Purefoy being a baddie with a gun. And it works. <laughs> it works really well. It was a good vert. Oh, yeah, it was very good. He's such a smug get. By the way, he was probably supposed to be Albert Wesker originally. I would uh, put money on. Yeah, see, that, that would have been a good shout. Like, if they got him in for the new film as Wesker. Takes his wig off, he's got blonde hair underneath. Takes his mask off, it's his own face underneath, but with sunglasses on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but also, right, so so he's the bloke who uh, started it all. He's the he's the tosser. Oh, he's the one who showed up as a guy with a coffee, didn't even and say And he's sorry. the one who fucking spilled the coffee. You bastard. But it's him, so it's fine. All we saw is that it was Black Jacket Man throwing a virus, and then one of his first things that he does in the movie is give her a black jacket. It's all there. Staring us right in the face. There's that, see, in retrospect, that, that was good. Do you know what I mean? Like, It's a proper flipping everyone off, isn't it? Yeah. So that was one of the good things it did. I mean, some people might say, oh, that's a bit obvious, but eh, it's only obvious if you know it. Yeah, once you see it. At this point, I thought... Rodriguez or Rod, as I've put at this point, is definitely going to kamikaze him like Vasquez with the aliens with a grenade. He's, she's definitely going to kill herself to get to him or something. Yeah. Says that I'm wrong, but we'll go with it. Because your favourite... Oh, by the way, at this point, Eric Mabius de-ages by about five years. And then we cut back to your favourite character. Fuck's sake, the computer. But, um, yeah, it's just the voice over the... I think it starts being a hologram, and it just decides, no, I'm going to be the voice now, just the voice. They decide to bring the AI back online, but they've only got they're only plugging in two of the three big circuit board things as an insurance policy so that they can turn it off if it, it decides to kill them. And it sort of goes along with it. And this is where they find out that all the details of the zombies, it's a byproduct of a virus. You plug it into dead tissue, plug it, you inject it into dead tissue and it reanimates it, but they're dense. And they have the need to feed. Don't know what that was. See, the explanation uh, but, of the zombies was good, apart from that bit. Like, like explaining what the virus did, I think it was good. I mean, it, it it's very the all of the files in Resident Evil that you read. Yeah, they're all very scientific in how it affects motor function and cognitive function and all that kind of stuff. And it says that if you have one bite or one scratch from one of these creatures, then you're going to turn into a zombie. They say they've got the antivirus, though, to let them out. They've got about 20 minutes. About 20 minutes. About 20 minutes. 18 minutes. To get out. And they'd give them the code. However, obviously, Michelle Rodriguez being bitten, she's not going to give them the code because she don't want the virus to go to the outside world. Yeah, which... the AI is technically not malfunctioning, they reckon. It's just doing everything within its parameters to stop the virus escaping, which includes killing everyone and making sure they become zombies that can infect the virus. Anyway. See, it's an annoying character, but at the same time, I suppose it's sort of like a good guy. Not going to let Michelle out because she could infect everybody. It's amoral. It's neither good nor bad. No. I mean, I can see where it's coming from. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the intentions are good. Don't want don't want a breach. Who wants a breach? And um, so, obviously, the only way they'll uh, give them the code is for Michelle Rodriguez to die. Because it, it's saying... 
it's saying they all have to die to stop spreading the virus, but they've got the antivirus, and it goes, all right, I'll let you go, but she's pretty far gone. The, the antivirus probably won't work. But it's the way it says it. It turns into Mr. Spock or something. Yeah, it's weird. I require her life for the code. Yeah, and then it just goes on with that posh child's voice just Hello repeatedly there. saying killer. And to be fair, that bit, I think it unnerved me a little bit, but then visual standpoint, like going to someone to kill someone else, it's just a bit unnerving anyway. Three things on that. First of all, I remember two things. All I could think of were two things when it was all the, kill, all the killer kind of stuff. First one was the movie Falling Down with Michael Douglas, when the neo-Nazi is trying to uh, handcuff him, and he's just going, give, give me a hand, give me a hand, give me a hand, and then he gets stabbed. No, it's give it to me. Yeah. He says, it's not just that. He's like, he's like go on, go on. Okay, yeah, yeah. Second one, two words, Sheila Buff. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. But when you say the AI demanding that someone get killed off was quite unnerving, I understand what you're saying, but it was done far better in 24. Spoiler for anyone who isn't watching that. I think it's series three of 24. I can't remember. It might be five. It's been a long time since I watched it. But there's a bloke who's on the trail of the baddies. Who is, he's not Jack Bauer. He works for CTU, and he, but he's independently on the trail of the baddies. And the baddies realise that he's nearly got them. So they threaten to murder loads of people unless he executes this bloke. And... It, the entire episode is like, oh, clearly they're going to find a way out of this, and they don't. He has to execute the bloke, and uh, it's really freaky, actually. So like that, but crapper. <laughs> Alice picks up an axe and looks directly at Michelle Rodriguez as she swings the axe up and to the right and smashes a monitor. Yeah, for some reason the monitor like shuts down the entire computer database. But to their credit, that's a mislead, which ends up being explained very soon because when they open the door, as if by magic they didn't need the code, someone stood there. But who is it? Fucking Kaplan is not dead. The MVP of this movie. And it turns out he shut the computer down because she wouldn't open the doors. So shutting her down, opened the doors. Yes. James Fjord has got a lot of gunpoint because he's really cool. He does get bitten, I believe, but then he gets out of the door locking it behind him. Yeah. Lock it behind him, even. And this is where the AI thinks it's been really kind of sassy. And for some reason, there's this big mega cleavage shot of Milyokovic from above. And I don't even know why this is a thing, because there's been not a single other kind of camera angle like this, even when they were up on a ledge. As this small child's voice goes, I've been a bad, bad girl. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. That, worst line in the movie. Very. What it turns out, what the AI has done, has released the liquor, and the liquor has gone after James Purefoy, and it attacks him. And we see it, like, just bite him a lot. Now, later on, I don't think he has any wounds, but it's bitten him a lot, and it's killed him off. And it's left the case of antivirus there. Because what does it want an antivirus for? It's a liquor. And then it like makes a face at the camera. Okay. Like the shot as well, on like the camera monitor was perfect. Like when the liquor was killing him. You know what I mean? It was like proper security cam footage. It was like it was zoomed in perfect enough for it to fit on the entire screen. It, it was as satisfying as I think it could have been. Yeah. So JSP Offoy's dead and the case of 
antivirus is uh, there for the taking. This is where the AI then says, ah, we created the liquor by putting the T-virus into living tissue, which is weird because that's what they were doing anyway. But we'll go with it. Let's just say that injects in the T-virus into a living human, turns it into a liquor. And then she goes, it will mutate because it's fed on human flesh. I did like that, in a way. Why, though? I think it's supposed to be like a, a, a G from Resident Evil 2 thing, but it's not. <laughs> I suppose it's like different DNA it's absorbed. Mm. It's just to make it... It's just it's just a <clears throat> plot hole, isn't it, really? <clears throat> look, at, look at it this way. It's because Resident Evil 2 ends with a big thing at one end of a train coming towards you. They did a thing to mutate this liquor to make it bigger. That almost rhymes. So it can fill up the back of a train and come towards you. Yeah. I can work with that, I yeah. guess. Forgivable. But while she's explaining it, it turns out the super liquor, the now super liquor, has found them. Oh, and by the way, the CGI transformation of it is woeful. <laughs> that is our word of the podcast. Woeful. It is woeful. Get a siren on that word. The, there'll be a siren playing there. Woeful. Woeful. It's really bad. It's just... I'm trying to give it the benefit of the doubt, but it's just really bad. I know it had a lower budget than Terminator 2, but Terminator 2 was 11 years old by this point and had better CGI. The Abyss had better CGI, and that was older than that. So anyway, it's a super liquor, and it does this by doing really bad computer Play-Doh stuff. And it's trying to break in. So they managed to get out the door, but the giant liquor is gone. Oh, I wonder where it could be. Oh, and one thing I didn't like about the AI is how petulant it was. This is where it really needed a slap. Not that I, not that I suggest slapping your kids, unless they're AIs. But it was very, I want you to kill her. Why won't you kill her? I don't like sprouts. <laughs> oh, Very spoiled child, wasn't it? Very spoiled child. So they're out the door and they're running towards the train. They get to the train, everyone boards it apart from Alice, because she's got to go past the dead James Purefoy and pick up the case of antivirus. Now, she does reach past him. She does go for the case, and he does reanimate as a zombie. And he is, without peer, the best zombie in this. Definitely. He is a proper, proper Romero slash Resident Evil zombie. He's doing all the noises. He's looking aimlessly about. He's just reaching blindly that towards he well. her. That was spot on. <laughs> that was brilliant. It's proper, proper zombie. Oh, it made up for... It felt like... To be honest, when he did that, it felt like the first zombie in the movie. Yeah. In a weird way. It's like, oh, that's a good zombie. It's it's almost like, again, more references. But when you had all the clone Daleks that could be taken out really easily... Oh, no, no, sorry. Terminator Salvation. When you had all the T-600s that could be taken out with machine gun fire. And then finally you got Arnie and nothing will kill him. And it's like, oh, a Terminator, finally. That's what it was like. Yes. 100%. And uh, luckily, she's still got the axe on her. So she says, she has, she has a brilliant one-liner, which is, I'm missing you already. It's actually not a bad one-liner. Because it's pre- because it's pre-mortem, it's a good one-liner, I think. If she said that after she killed him, it would have been another right. I mean, but saying it before you kill him, I think it's quite good. I mean, it's not exactly considerless divorce, but I'll no. go with it. You're fired. And she beheads him. No blood, I don't think. I can't remember seeing There is a big pool of blood there at this point. But I don't think there's any blood when he gets decapitated. And then she takes off that the wedding ring, the umbrella wedding ring, and dumps it at his feet. Which is weird because 
it was a sham marriage anyway, done for cover. So, mm. whatever. They got onto the train. Everyone gets a nice big dose of the cure. Take your COVID medicine. It's going to work. Vaccinations. Do it. But Michelle Rodriguez is still really... She she looks really... Like they've done it really well and she's acting really well. She looks really ill. Yeah, that is good makeup. And even though she gets the vaccine, the antivirus, she starts sort of shutting down, basically. She's, it looks like she's dying. and she, she like Her head... That just drops. Just drops and she's sat there. And Alice... Her immediate reaction. So maybe, I, maybe it's me that's being unreasonable when I say you don't go straight to putting a bullet in the red. Maybe you, maybe you're absolutely right because she picks up this gun and is like, "Boo hoo!" Ah, well. But before she can pull the trigger, very, very quickly, Michelle Rodriguez wakes up, grabs the gun, and just goes, "I'm not dead yet. Give me the gun." And I thought that was actually really well that, done. Yeah, that was good. I did like that. Very well done. And at that point, in my mind, she is definitely surviving. Um, yeah, I reckon so. Which it's, is a shame, because then the super liquor arrives, they turn around and look at it, turn back around, and she's a zombie. So, yeah, like, quick, like, like a really drawn-out transformation to a fucking quick one. I, but, mean, I mean, I suppose it's not quick, because obviously it was happening, and they did say that the vaccine might not work on her. So, fair enough, I can forgive that. It was a swerve I didn't see coming. I thought she was going to... I thought she was going to kamikaze someone when she got bit, and she didn't. Then I thought she was going to hold them off while they got away but she didn't then I thought she was going to survive but she didn't <laughs> so it was really well done actually I, I was kept guessing and also she is the second best zombie in this movie yeah she was a good zombie as well she, it looked painful she, like she, Deadliest Warrior now I know it's not the most scientific show in the world but they did one on vampires versus zombies and they researched a zombie bite and they basically said it would be as strong as a really big dog because they haven't got all the checks to keep the strength in check like we do. Yeah. They will just bite so hard that they'll shatter their own teeth and stuff. And that's what it looks like she was doing. It looks like she, it looked like she was all opening a, a mouth so wide that it was probably incredibly painful. But, you know, need to need to bite people. And I, yeah, that was pretty cool. It was very good. And it, it was a well-done scare because she's just had a comedic moment. Then we've had a crash. We've turned around. Holy shit. The train's been torn open by the super liquor. And it's grabbing Alice. And then Eric Mabius is just like, I'll just turn around and get this axe slash gun. And then all of a sudden she's there. And that really works. She's not much of a... She kind of wrestles with him for a bit and then she gets shot in the head. Yeah. End of that. And then obviously when like the super liquor's all going about the train and that, because it's sort of like running around the top of it or whatever, Like you obviously think Captain's going to survive as well, but no... He gets victim to the liquor, busts him from the side of the cab with the train is driving. Just before that, I think was probably my second favourite line in the movie. Go on. Bearing in mind, it's clinging to the train, to the top of the train. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Eric Mabius who said, or it might have been Kaplan who said, let's get some speed up to outrun this thing. It's on the train. I think Mabius said that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it was just a bit think, mate. Yeah, it, it, it does a... It does a bit of an end of days. I am full of references. Where it starts off at the back of the train and there's clang, 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 clang. And then all of a sudden, bang, it's at the front. It goes through. It's got Kaplan. He's gone. Which is a shame because he'd sort of become a favourite. Yeah, definitely. Because because he's the most everyman, I think. And because he's got a bit of character to him. Yeah. He's just a bloke. He he wants to get out and have a pint. Oh, yeah. I'd go for a pint with him. I can't now, but he's dead. He did. And fiction. 
I'm fiction. Cardboard cut out, I'll do. He'd have about as much personality as most of the characters in this movie. So now there's two of them. Well, three, technically, because Rodriguez hasn't zombied yet, but we don't know that. So now there's two of them. Eric Mabius and Alice, who have, out of all, out of the remaining four, the least amount of personality. Yeah, weird. <laughs> and then there is a slight recreation of the end of Resident Evil 2 when the super liquor starts coming through the train. It tries to stab them with its spear tongue, which is awesome. But they stab the tongue with like some rebar or like a pipe. Yeah. Which it sells, which it reacts to in pain, which sort of surprises me. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I didn't expect it. You know, everything else, there's this awesome shot of a zombie walking on a broken ankle. And then, like, they do the thing, though, as well, like they do on, like, many Resident Evil games, you know, whether they use the environment or whatever to, like, get rid of the boss. Yeah, they, uh, it, it does Google. They basically knock it into a pit in the bottom of the train carriage, which at the beginning of the movie, Michelle Rodriguez was in trying to fix the train. And they're dragging it along by its tongue, which is quite good. But then it bursts into flames for some reason. I'm sure I missed something. They must have thrown some incendiary down or something. You said it was maybe because it was going too fast. It's like sparks or something. Yeah, I reckon so. I, I can, yeah. I can go with it. You yeah, set we'll go something on fire. Why not? And then it's did. It's did. They close the door. The door cuts the tongue, and then that's it. Got away. Leave the burning liquor in the train tunnel. Go back to the mansion. With the infected tongue, but we'll forget about that. Because they did. Yeah. And that's it. Happy ending of the movie, just about. Eric Mabius is looking worse, look, worse for wear, and he's wearing his best John McClane white vest. He has also de-aged, but re-aged again. And apart from his dorky hairstyle, he actually looks pretty cool in this bit. You look pretty cool, yeah. He's looking a bit worse for wear. Alice is carrying him, and they end up out of the train station that they were in at the start, back into the mansion. They're going through the mansion, and they stop in this little round hallway sort of thing. It's like a little round porch, but in a building. There's, um, there's probably a word for it. And he collapses right in the middle, very artistically, of this pattern. It, but it's not an umbrella pattern. That surprised me. Yeah, weird. I thought that would be like on the floor. Like, do you know what I mean? Like a floor... Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the mosaic. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one I was looking for. So he's laying there, and oh, he might be all right, he might not. He's got a big old triple scratch on his left shoulder. That's important from the liquor. And then just one of these random mansion doors opens, and about 150,000 people in hazmat suits come out. This is proper E.T. when they set up the quarantine zone. And they all grab him, and right now I believe... This is going to start a trend on this podcast. In the final two minutes of most video game movies that I remember, the entire movie will go off on somewhere like this did. And then in the last two minutes, it will tease something that you actually want to see. I know it happens in Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li, where it just goes off on one. And then in the very end, they go, hey, there's a Street Fighter tournament. We should try it. There's this bloke called Ryu. <laughs> some bloke. Yeah, basically, these synchronised dancers in hazmat suits who have just been sat in this room forever for no reason. Yeah, it was like just a room, wasn't it? And they just emerged with like superhuman strength just wrestling them onto the floor. <laughs> yeah, you know, where did they come from? It, it's like a dance act. It's like, do 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 we're here now. And they just pin him down and just go, you've been attacked by the liquor. You're infected. 
So now you're part of the Nemesis project. Holy shit, okay. Nemesis. I mean, when I first saw it, the one thing I remember about this movie when I first saw it when it first came out was just going... Like, I forget, in the, I didn't notice the ridiculousness of just them being in a room waiting, like in Doom. Yeah, well, I didn't, to be honest. Because they just said, Nemesis, and I was just like, I'm all over that, and there's little tentacles coming out of the wounds on his left shoulder. Like, mark, yeah. mark out to it. Yeah, it, it, it was... It, it's fucking ridiculous. But I enjoyed it, because at least they're teasing the Nemesis. Yeah. And then you watch the next film and see what Nemesis is. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but so he gets taken off with these little tentacles in his arm. He's going to be the Nemesis now because of reasons. Again, I point out that she lived in this mansion and therefore would know where all the doors go. She didn't know there was a, a lab. There's blokes just sat in there who presumably didn't expect her to get back out because of the Red Queen and the train and the giant liquor and all that. But they're just there. This built a door open. It's like in, it's like in case of emergency, call Hazmat. Call Hazmat. I just I, I just can't get over. Like I've said it, I know I, know I keep saying it, I just can't get over how like a, a bloke in a hazmat suit can just like just superhuman strength. Sorry, like, I've just, I've, sorry, I've just realised something. What? Of course they were there waiting because they jump out and they're basically hazmat because that's Eric Mabius's character. Oh yeah, hazmat. <laughs> oh he has. But I think <laughs> if any like. Um, country leaders are listening to this podcast and they're like the small like minuscule chance like if you're struggling in the wrestling event in the Olympics just send a bloke with an hazmat so it win you the gold instantly because I mean okay fair enough they're both knackered but they can still fight their way through many zombies giant liquor all that kind of stuff and then some nerds in a hazmat suit can just pin you both down exactly that's like the most like fear-inducing thing in the world, a bloke in a hazmat suit. Anyway, Eric Mabius goes off and he's never seen again, except he is, but he's not. And they sort of try to grab hold of Alice and she sort of wipes out. I don't know if they inject her with something. Yeah, they do. And, oh, right, okay, so that's the ending. That's the second ending. That's the ending. And then it fades back in. And Mr. Paul Anderson has uh, definitely written this with something in mind, hasn't he? <laughs> Alice is laid in the middle of a lab on like one of those one of those chairs, you know, like a dentist chair. Yeah. And she's wearing what appears to be two ply andrax. It's two big rectangles. It she's it as Rick Mail once said, she's got a big flap down the front and a big flap down the back and they're taped to her. And she's full of pipes and needles, which actually look quite cool. By the way, she's been through all this zombie apocalypse, all that. She's had half her head shaved to put tubes in her, her head. Still perfect hair. Yeah, this is why I thought this bit was like really Matrix, you know, when like sort of unplug them. Yes, and uh, yeah, it, it looks painful. Yeah, very. It's got some proper, you know, she has to put strength in and they only come out slowly out of a scalp. But before that happens, she opens her eyes and this is where we <laughs> mention that again. It's the same eye shot from the start of the film. It's, the, the, eye e- in the, eye. it's the exact same extreme close-up. Yeah, and just like Scott just said, she's got the same eyelash. Like in the white of her eye, in the exact same place. Could you not film two? <laughs> just move the eyelash a bit. I mean, I just wanted to get a cotton bud and just dab it, you know, just to get it out. Start poking her in the eye. Hey, it'll work for uh, Birkin if he's in the new one. <laughs> so she pulls all these tubes out of herself, and then she like that sounded wrong. So she pulls, so she pulls all these tubes out of like a temple in her arms and that. And then she sort of collapses to the floor while we're in this uh, Andrex. And yes, you do see too much. 
Just a little bit. I, I wonder... Okay, one take for the extreme close-up of the eye. I wonder how many takes this took, Paul. <laughs> if that's the most conservative one you can get. That's all I'm saying. You do see stuff. You do see that she's been on holiday to South America. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's all I'm saying. <laughs> and she's like, what the bloody hell is this? She, I don't quite understand this, but it looks cool, so I'll let it go. She takes one of the blooded needles and hacks the door. Yeah, it's like a key card slot, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like a swipe a key card. But she, I thought it was she was gonna like I thought she was gonna use her blood as a bio ID, but no, she just sort of shorts it and it opens. But not before we see a control room looking through a one way mirror with a zombie wandering around. Good. So someone's obviously been monitoring, but then there's been zombies. Yeah, it's a good touch. And then we go into what I think is the best set in the movie. It's just a hospital corridor, but it looks really good. Really neat. Yeah, it just looks real. It doesn't look like a set. The bit with all the pipes earlier on where the zombie did the big backflip, that looked like something from from a, from the Crystal Maze or something like that, whereas this was just a hospital, and yeah. it works. I would have liked to see more of this gritty realism. But what are you going to do? And luckily, she finds a lab coat. That's handy. Surprised she didn't find like the same dress, but in green or something. <laughs> like an upgrade. Yes, and she walks outside, and the world's ended. Or at least the world of Raccoon City has ended. There's one thing which got me about this scene, though. Like, good or bad? Um, I think the setup for the scene's all right. Like, it reminds me, it's weird because it, it reminds me of 28 Days Later, how that sort of started when Jim comes out of the hospital. But, well, no, carry on. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but basically, it's literally the same. Like, Jim walks out the hospital, walks in the middle of London, there's like no one to be seen. Obviously, besides, like, you don't take a shotgun or anything, but it's it's very similar. But it's weird because 28 Days Later was out on the same year, about five months later. But that's what that might, that's what it. Not 28 mm- Days Later. Sorry. Why did I say weeks? No, you said about five months later, but not. I, I was tr- trying to make a crap joke. Oh, right, okay. Anyway, so, yeah, so it's like she walks in the middle of Raccoon City, there's no one about. Big pile-ups. But the big pile-ups and everything. But An RPD car, that gets your hopes up, nothing comes of it. Yeah, but there's like, like obviously, we know that there's a zombie apocalypse, that's obvious. But there's like, there's no fires. Mm. There's no actual wreckages. Maybe apart from a couple of attack cars might have been overturned. There's a pretty decent pile-up. There's no bodies. <clears throat> that got me. There's no blood. Of course. There's no actual stray zombies in a, in a city which looks fucking massive. Like, New York-sized massive. Like, there must have been at least a couple just sort of straying about, if that. You know what I mean? Like, a city that vast. A disembodied hand clinging to a steering wheel. That's all you need. Yeah. But like, like, but there's still no remnants of dead bodies or zombies. Like, obviously, everyone would have been evacuated, but at the same time, there would have still been some infected wandering around. I think I know what you're going to say, but go on. What? Thinking back to it and listening to what you've got to say, it doesn't look anything like a zombie apocalypse. It looks more like an alien body snatching event. Yeah. Everyone's suddenly just gone. Sort of like Thanos it. has snapped his fingers. Yeah, everyone yes. twice she's just to get walked, rid of everyone. She's walked out of hospital. I mean, there was that one zombie wandering around in the hospital. Why shouldn't bump into another one on the way out? I've no idea. I totally forgot about that zombie. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then she's in the middle of the streets. 
She picks up a shotgun out of the RPD car. And then that's it. It's the end of the film. It's like, oh no, I'm going to take on the world. Which I think every single one of these movies ends in the style of. I think even the final one, which is called the final chapter, ends with a stud there with a gun going, I'm going to take on the world. Possibly. I'm not too sure. I've not seen it. But I remember hearing yeah. something along those lines. So yeah, that was Resident Evil 2002. Uh, to sum up, what were your thoughts? Well, if I could go by the Rotten Tomatoes uh, rating. That's a good point, actually. What is the Rotten Tomatoes rating? 36%. And to be honest with you, uh, yeah, accurate. I'd, I'd, you know what? I'd be a little bit more generous. I'd be I'd be about 45. I think if it wasn't called Resident Evil, the 36 would have gone up. If they just called it Alice. Not even, even if they, like, like what I said before, even if they called it Biohazard or... Fuck me, zombies. Or something similar. Just like, even with a generic name, it would have been better. The Hive. Yeah. Something like that. But, but because because it's branded as Resident Evil... Epidemic. Yeah. Haywire. They're probably already zombie films, for all we know. But, yeah, just because they're branded as Resident Evil... It's, it's just let it down, because obviously the fans of the film... I mean, people who aren't fans of the game probably love it, but obviously they've probably never played the games. But obviously people like us who have played the game, it's just falls so short from the mark. I do very much get the feeling that there is a big Venn diagram of fans of the movie and fans of the games, and there are a lot in column A, but not in column B. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could, which I, I don't think counts for the for most other video game movies. I mean, he probably made it to sort of like appease everyone, but then he's massively alienated the actual Resident Evil fan base. Oh, it made him a lot of money. <laughs> made him about a billion. Rather the hell, I mean, over the entire franchise. I mean, got hundred and three million. Did it get him? This one about hundred and thirty four. I think. I mean, so if- that's hundred. Odd million profit, yeah. I mean, if cinema scores are different to go part by, they give it a B rating. So I assume the highest one's an A. Who's this? Uh, cinema score. Okay. So, um, so, it depends if you're a fan of the game or not, really. I mean, would I recommend this film? Maybe watch it once. To be fair to... To, to be fair to those who made it, Capcom were very adamant they wanted something different Reminiscent of, but different to the game. They didn't just want the game played out. Yeah. But I think someone did mention that they thought if they if they adapted the first game, no one would play the game because they'd seen the movie. But at the same time, Resident Evil 2 had just come, come out when they proposed to do the movie. And they were thinking, well, if we adapt one now, it'll be out of date, which is stupid. Yeah, I see what they're saying. But it's stupid because how long ago before they made Blade Runner did Philip K. Dick write Do Andrew's Dream of Electric Sheep? You know, the Bible, Passion of the Christ. Need I say more? <laughs> I mean, that was, that was pretty old. That's got to be at least, what, 10 years old. So I've seen the film that needs to read the book. Well, no, um, it's, it's not a shit film. It's very off the time. It could have been a lot better. Um, but. It does it do what it sets out to do? I think it does just. It does what it sets out to do, but without blood. And what it sets out to do is not Resident Evil. Yeah, true. Uh, like a, a zombie film needs blood, without a doubt. 
Because I didn't see a single brain apart from the liquors, and that one didn't count. There was very little... In fact, there was no gore and just a bit of blood. But It still astounds me. I mean, even in like... I mean, I know it's a 15, and they, don't want to, they didn't want to put too much gore in because they obviously wanted to appeal to like younger teenagers or mid-teenagers, whatever. But, you know, like, just a bit of blood, just a couple of splatters would have done. Do you know what I mean? Just We're like, not weird, violent pervs. No, just... When you watch a zombie movie... You watch it for zombie attacks. But it's like about Shaun of the Dead, which is a parody of zombie films. That had, that had gore in it. That was so well done. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean that went over the top bloody, but what the blood it uses, uses it really well. Effectively. Yeah. As for me, I think I would recommend this movie to people who are fans of, not necessarily of... Not necessarily fans of the game, but people who are fans of this era of horror movie. The sort of post-Scream, pre-Saw, new metal, turn of the millennium movies like uh, like this, Jason X. Bride of Chucky. Yeah, Halloween H2O. These sort of turn of the millennium things, they're full of new metal and sort of some, some intended humour, some unintended humour, and it all sort of merges into this very this era of about seven years in horror movies stands alone because it's where we've got cheap CGI new metal it's we had about five years before this where where filmmakers forgot that Scream was a satire so we had Scream then we had I know what you did last summer and all of those and then we went into these kind of things yeah and if you like these kind of movies, basically, you'll like this one. Yeah. That sounds intelligent. Well, that was worth three hours, wasn't it? <laughs> if you like this movie, you'll like these movies. Yeah, so, like, uh, it's one of those, like, you got to watch it once, then... You've got to watch it with someone. You can't watch it on your own. No, no. You've def- got to have a laugh. Yeah, it's definitely not a lone movie. Never, no. So, yeah, that was Resident Evil. That was indeed Resident Evil. We're not going to be doing Resident Evil Apocalypse. You were right. It wasn't. I was wrong. It's not Afterlife. We're not doing Resident Evil Apocalypse next. We're going to spread them out. We will do it at some point, I'm sure. But we're not going to do it next. I know what we're doing next. And Scott, as always, does not. Ugh. I think you're going to enjoy it more than this, despite the fact that it is probably a worse movie. Ugh. Oh, it's not going to be a U-Ball film, is it? It's not an overball film. Oh, God. That's all right. Then. We have many other movies before we have to do that. Although we will be doing some at some point. We have to. See, there are a couple of films I actually do want to watch, even though they're probably going to be like the worst films ever made. But, yeah. Let me have a guess. Uh, Postal. Mm, yeah, actually, yeah. that um, That's one. Another film. Dungeon one. Siege. Yeah, but they're... Alone in the Dark. Well, they're UA Ball films, but like, not necessarily UA Ball films. But like, there's a. I keep saying it properly. You're just not saying it properly. Whatever. No, the, um, I Dave Ball. Dave Ball. Dave Ball. Um, there is a film which I saw when I was looking for like Wikipedia lists of like video game films. Is that they've made a film on that like, Aoni? <laughs> Do you remember that game, that indie game? Aoni. Yeah, it's like. Oh, is it that freeway one with a little scary face? It's like like he's like a little purple man with big ad, and he chases oh. you around the mansion. It's just weird because it's like it's like a live action film as well. And it, I'm just thinking. Did he make it? No, he didn't. No, I don't know who made it. I think it's. I think it's a. Um, it's a Japanese film, but I don't know if it's been like translated or anything. So I thought I'm we were still on the subject of uh, ball. 
no, no, this is like something completely different. It's just so. Some... We will be doing some, and you went. I tell you which one I want to watch. <laughs> no, I said no. It's it's not a U ball film, but yeah, it's just 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 like a really small indie game. It's actually got a live action film. It's just it's just interesting to see. Yeah. I'll pull it off. But yeah, we'll have to watch that a bit further down the line. Look forward to that then. Well, oh, whatever, we whatever week you put that up. This ending has been trailing quite a bit. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> so I think we'll uh, leave. I've got to go and not watch Resident Evil again. I won't be watching it anytime soon. You know what? Let, let's let's be fair. For what it was, I enjoyed it. It just wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, um, I think around about the last 20 minutes, I thought to myself, I can't wait till this is over. That was it. That's when you look at how much time is left. Yeah. And you regret what you see. That's, oh no. So that was Resident Evil. That was episode one. Now, if we were any other podcast, I'd be telling you to like, subscribe, share, review, rate, do me dishes. We're not like that. If you like it, awesome. If you don't, what you're doing still here. If you want to tell your friends, cool. Thank we're not going to force you. If you don't, that's fine. It's up to you. and It's up to you. And the mo- most importantly, you know already that you can do those things. We're not going to pretend like we have to teach you. Yeah, true. So I'm a bit sick of that. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut another promo about that next time. But in the meantime, I've been Rob. I've been Scott. And we are the Super Movio Brothers. And we will see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.